come on, Addicted, aren't you familiar with that that uh, popular Cindy Lauper hit, Metroidvanias are good enough? <laughs> not not these days. Everything's got to be Metroidvania Plus. It's got to mm. have Metroidvania Plus pinball mechanics. Or <laughs> Heck, I, I may even try that new game, uh, Night Witch, published oh, yeah. by Team 17. It's not enough to be a Metroidvania. You've got to add um, Don Maku elements to it now. Schmuproidvania. But maybe in the early 80s, it was good enough. You know, if it's good enough for Cindy Lauper, why not? Shoot the core, Cass. Welcome to Shoot the Corecast, the official companion podcast of the RF Generation Shmup Club. This is a family-friendly shmup-themed podcast where things never change. They're always the same, same, same. Hopefully we never jump the shark. I'm Addicted, also known as Addicted to Shmups, and with me I have... Melfro, also known as Game Boy Guru. And we got a special guest, don't we? We do indeed. Let us welcome Corkman yeah. to the podcast. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm Corkman. I'm just a, uh, I'm just a, uh, just a, just a big fan of the podcast and a uh, lover of Fire Shark. So, oh, you well, good company we here. Appreciate that on both accounts. This is where you plug stuff. Yes. Oh, I don't really have anything to plug much. Um, just uh, you can fire me, find me at uh, FireSharkMD on Twitter if you like. Nice. Well, speaking of which, if you would like to connect with the podcast, you can follow us on Twitter at ShootCoreCast. You can follow me directly at GameBoyGuru. Uh, you can find all the feeds for the podcast on our Linktree page. That is linktr.ee slash shootthecorecast. Uh, join rfgeneration.com and uh, check out the forums there. Join us for our Shmup Club playthrough. And uh, also, please like, rate, subscribe, review, etc. the podcast on your preferred platform. Uh, you can join the RF Generation Discord channel. We have a dedicated Shoot the Corecast topic there. You can find that linked from the front page of ArfGeneration.com. And then also you can follow me on Twitch to get notifications of new streams, since I do stream the Shmup Club selection of the month multiple times throughout each month. That is twitch.tv slash GuruGameBoy. Yeah, and you know, I have to say it's always fun to watch you with the parrot dogs and you know, some work time fun streams. Especially the, the, the for the month of December. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll get to that later. And I, I have to also thank everyone from RF Generation, everyone who participates in the Shmup of the Month. There, I also have to thank everyone who does a good job of upkeeping the database. You know, without it, I don't think Mark MSX would know how many copies of 
Crimson Clover he's bought that he's got to give away. It must be, what, in the thousands at this point? At least a it couple. It might be, yeah. yeah. So if you haven't already, please try out Crimson Clover and check out the database. Indeed. Well, let's dive into our question of the month to kick things off. Uh, I threw this out on Twitter and on the Discord. And the question I asked is, what arcade game do you believe was made better when it came to home consoles? Uh, Our first response was from BB on the Discord, who said, Garega, because you can make the bullets visible. Yes, that definitely helped me when I played that game, for sure. Uh, Yeah, big time for me. Um, I just had a hard time with visibility in general, so that was a much-needed upgrade. Yeah, I I definitely concur. Without the... M2 enhancements, I felt like I was trying to play a shmup on one of those DMG Game Boys with the light on there and the magnifying glass. Where is it? Where is it? (laughs) So it definitely helped out. Well, Greg is a far cry from Solar Striker. Yeah, but at least for the most part, I can see the bullets in Solar Striker without (laughs) needing to change all the options. It's a quality of life feature. Although, to be fair, though, Solar Striker only requires, what, six AA batteries? Four for the Game Boy and two for the light? This is true. Unless you go with an STD, and we don't ever recommend STDs on this podcast. (laughs) No, generally not. Our next one comes to us from at Connaball. Easy Mars Matrix on the Dreamcast. They had several features that extend gameplay. I haven't had a chance to try the arcade original Mars Matrix, so I played a heck of a lot on the Dreamcast version. I'm maybe we should slot that in for 2023. Hmm. So we could go play Mars Matrix. Yes, we could. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one I've only ever played on the Dreamcast, so it'd be great. Yeah, definitely need to mess with that at some point. That's on the Mister, if I remember. That's the CPS2, right? Um, it's alright. I think CPS2, yeah. Well, I'll just forget together. <laughs> Super Goat uh, chimes in with Bionic Commando. The NES version has both better action gameplay and deeper gameplay. That is absolutely true. Uh, I've only messed around with the arcade a little bit. It's kind of it's kind of interesting, but it's just not the NES game, right? Yeah, and this was this is one that I very much expected when I threw this question out there. There are three or four in the list that I knew I was going to hear multiple times. So uh, we'll have to see which game wins by the end. <laughs> Uh, Lewis G on the Discord said, Space Invaders. The 2600 one has better pacing and more modes, including some really great ones. And I'd never really thought about it, but that's an interesting perspective on that. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of agree. I mean, Space Invaders might have been the first game I ever played. And I remember it had, like, you know, kid mode in it, you know? Um, And me and my brother used to love that, so... (laughs) 
Our next comment comes to us from at Blur SDG. Gradius 3. I don't know if the Super Nintendo version made it better, but definitely more enjoyable in my opinion. Stand out to the NES Life Force as well. Yeah, the the slowdown is <laughs> as real as it is on here. It, it's definitely helpful, and I, I think it made the game a lot more approachable. Anyone who's played the arcade version knows it. Um, it shows no sami sami sami, or to uh, take a quote from Corporal Kai, "No mercy." Yeah. Uh, Pony Tachigen says, hmm, I gotta go with Contra for this one. Contra on the NES captured the arcade feel perfectly while also being just an, an absolute blast. Yeah, definitely. This is another one I expected to hear a lot. Uh, Steel Bowl Runner said, Double Dragon 1 and 2, especially with the hit mechanics. And I was slightly surprised by this. Less so about Double Dragon 2, but it seems to be there are two schools of thought on the original Double Dragon. Some who love the arcade version and think the NES version is inferior by comparison. And then there's me, and maybe a handful of other people who actually prefer the NES version to the arcade version, because it feels less clunky and, like Contra, more natural and more fluid. Yeah, I see where you're going with that. Um, I have a lot of nostalgia for the first Double Dragon myself, so I can see that. I had nostalgia for Double Dragon 1, then I played the Tiger LCD game, and I think that killed about any any fun that I had out of that one. But if I, if I had to choose, I've got a little bit more nostalgia for the arcade version just because I <clears throat> played it around the same time in the arcades, and I got used to the slowdown. Because even the arcade version has slowed it. There, it's meant to be janky. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Now, I don't know. Could they put that on a Nintendo box at the time? Now with less jank. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have nostalgia for for the original because I never played the original in the arcade, and I literally only played Double Dragon Two arcade once. Uh, at a water park, and it had a broken joystick, so you couldn't go left. Um, so that's the extent of my Double Dragon arcade experience. <laughs> Be glad you didn't play Double Dragon 3 in the arcade. <clears throat> Someone had the bright idea to give you health power-ups and stuff, <clears throat> but you gotta go to the shop, and each time you want to do it, you had to put in a quarter. So if you want to buy something in the shop, you gotta pay extra for it. The original DLC. Indeed. Milk them for all they're worth. And we'll, we'll get into that in just a bit here, but that, that crept up with uh, Sami Sami Sami. Yeah. You know, I wonder if there's like a... Um, maybe someone should make an indie game. Revenge of the Arcade Operator. Hmm. Alright, our next comment comes to us from Shoot the Core. Bionic Commando was better on the NES, and well, <clears throat> I don't think you'll find a lot of people who like the arcade version. I completely agree. It's, you know, with the <laughs> adaptation of was it Albatross from the Famicom version? I forget the guy's actual name. I don't want to say oh. the, you know the actual name on here, but the 
Right. You know, I think Albatross was the organization. Yeah. The big bad. I can't say in a family friendly. I, I, I've said too much already. <laughs> uh, Hooks and Fangs has another vote for uh, Gradius 3. Um, and I don't really, I haven't really tried the arcade game uh, version of that. I just hear you guys talk about it. <laughs> well, if you like pain, try it. That's what I understand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, old Man Burley says UN Squadron slash Area 88 is a debatable one, though many prefer the console version. Yeah, I think most people prefer the console version. I was the odd man out who preferred the arcade version because just because it was pretty straightforward. You know, something, something gets in your way, you kill it. Yep. And where, where there's a lot more to it to flush it out in the Super Nintendo or Super Family version. Alright. Uh, <clears throat> next comment comes to us from at Xtrem88. Gonna go with UN Squadron here, though I think a better choice might be the 360K ports with their enhanced visuals and arranged modes. Yeah, I think a lot of people would choose uh, Kai K- Katana <coughs> for a Cave 360 port. I, can't, I don't think that Moochie Moochie Pork or uh, Ib- not Ibar, uh, Pink Sweets, that combo pack added much to it, aside from making them available for a console. Was there anything right. else that they related? Uh, Futari, I, I could say you did some. Yes, Futari would be a good candidate. Yeah, I think uh, I know a Kai Katana is a good mention because I didn't have an extra mode that the arcade didn't have. I want to say it was like the climax right. mode or something like that. Yep. Um, e. Schmokin has another vote for uh, Contra for the Famicom. More fun than the arcade Contra. Yeah, the arcade Contra was something that I played at a, a putt putt. You know, maybe a couple of years after I played the NES version, I, I was so excited. Oh, Contra, this is going to be great. And I got to say, I was pretty disappointed. I was like, this sucks. Let me go back and play The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had a, yeah, I had a similar experience with Super Contra <laughs> at some random uh, tourist trap place when... My family went on a vacation to Branson uh, when I was, I don't know, 13 or something like that. I remember seeing it and thinking, wow, the graphics are really good. But then watching the action on screen, thinking this is sluggish and looks kind of clunky. Yeah, clunky is a good word for it, you know. It just—I I think this—I think like there was a there was a cool effect where like the trees kind of swayed in the in the wind in the first level or something like that. But other than that, yeah, and they put that into the Famicom version because they had the oh, extra right. chip. Yeah, I can't remember. I don't want to say MMC, but that's not right. I think Konami is VRC six or something like that. I'm trying to pull from my adult brain here, <laughs> but if we're talking about, I don't exactly have anything. Like Branson, Missouri, but I do remember in the early 90s, my, I went down to my dad for a work convention, and they had were staying at a Disneyland resort, 
and they gave us uh, Disney bucks back when they still made those things. And I traded them all into at the uh, local arcade <laughs> tokens and used them to play <laughs> game. And that was some of the best times. Had a chance to play. Uh, you mentioned Super Contra. That was where I first had a chance to play Super Contra. Played all the way through Final Fight, <clears throat> Turtles, 1989, all sorts of good times. Nice. Yep. Uh, Need new shorts says Golden Axe. It's beautiful in the arcade and pretty pure, but I'm really not great on it. The Genesis version really shines as being more fun and playable, at least to me. This is one of those that I expected to come up because the AI in the arcade release is absolutely, well, um, dumb. Absolutely dumb. And the Genesis version, I remember it had, it goes on for, it's got a little bit more added to it, plus they fixed the AI. So you couldn't call the Genesis version the uh, definitive version, at least in the arcade. But in Golden Axe 2, that said that never got released. Yeah. Although that probably would have been like a sad import or something like that. <clears throat> but yeah, yeah. For sure. Absolutely right with uh, Golden Axe 1 there. <clears throat> the Genesis version is so much better than the arcade original. At 99 Heal Potions, does Goonies count? Technically not the same game. I'm not counting a light gun games because they just can't compare. Maybe Donkey Kong Classic also. Donkey Kong, I, I'd see that a lot of people might actually prefer the NES port because it was so much more accessible than what, what people played. I mean, I, I would think that that was probably my first actual time of actually sitting down and trying Donkey Kong was on the NES. And Goonies, Goonies was on the Play Choice 10, so I, I could see that... I mean, that's sort of a conversion, but I see what you mean. Goonies 2, the Metroid, the Goonievania? What would you call that? That <laughs> works. is so much um, of a departure and an interesting game compared to the first one. Come on, Addicted. Aren't you familiar with that that uh, popular Cindy Lauper hit, Metroidvanias are good enough? <laughs> not not these days. Everything's got to be Metrovenia Plus. It's got to have Metrovenia Plus pinball mechanics. Or heck, I may even try that new game, uh, Night Witch, published oh, yeah. by Team Seventeen. It's not enough to be a Metrovenia. You got to add um, Don Maku elements to it now. Schmuckroidvania. <laughs> but maybe in the early '80s, it was good enough. You know, if it's good enough for Cindy Lauper, why not? Exactly. Uh, Martin Worley says, Hellfire, that cute little option helps a lot. Uh, you know what? I've never played like the arcade and the Genesis port like next to each other. I have to take notice of that next time. Yeah, and I want to say the option is maybe only in the Genesis and Mega Drive versions. I don't think that's in Hellfire S on PC Engine CD. No. The, unless someone can correct me. No, they, they for that they forgo the option. They added in itchy or um, interesting cutscenes. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> 
All right. Uh, WLTR 3565 says, I'd say Fireshark slash Same 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 on the Mega Drive. The toned down difficulty made the game much more pleasant. That's not saying much, considering the difficulty in the arcade was actually jacked up too much, though. And foreshadowing, this is kind of why I asked this question. Yep, that's what I thought. I knew that's why you asked that question. (laughs) They loved it so much they had to reinvent it several times. Yeah, I'm I'm sure we'll go into this, but it started out as more of a pushback from arcade operators that turned into a little bit more difficult game than it should have been, that genius stuff. I mean, it's still not as crazy as Life Force, I swear. Or heck, anything with the name like uh, Wonder Boy in there. Talk about confusing naming conventions. Huh. <laughs> and what was it? Light, Salamander... <clears throat> to Life Force to Salamander. Plus, I forget what the heck the weird naming convention was. At Shmup Junkie says, Not a shmup, but I'll go with Ninja Gaiden. Their KB dump wasn't as bad as the NES original. It's pretty much my favorite platforming series of all time. Massive nostalgia for that one, so be my pick. <clears throat> Definitely. I was waiting for <clears throat> this response. Ninja Gaiden, anyone who's played the arcade version in... I think it's out on the links. I know that there was a uh, Genesis prototype, but the only <laughs> commercially released one I'm aware of is on the links. It's, you know, it, there's nothing really that notable about, about it, in my opinion, but the NES version, oh, magnifique. Yeah, I want to say the only real standout thing about the arcade game is the continue screen when... Your, That's all. <laughs> you know, where you've got Ryu or Ryu Hayabusa strapped to a table and a saw blade coming down toward him as it counts down. And then, of course, as it gets down to zero, the screen fades to black and you don't actually see him getting cut to ribbons. But I remember that very distinctly because there was a... a there was a Ninja Gaiden arcade cabinet at a roller rink that I used to go to once in a while. Um, Rip, it's gone now. But, um, yeah, they had that there for years. And I played it a couple of times. It was fine. You know, it kind of had that neat mechanic where you could grab an enemy and flip over them. That was new or different with, you know, in terms of beat-em-ups and stuff, but... Yeah, the NES games were a masterclass by comparison. Yeah, absolutely. This is this is what I was gonna say um, for this question, but um, yeah, this is they were fantastic. I mean, they they had two other sequel. There was two other sequels, and yeah, just amazing. Yeah, I, w- well, I was pretty impressed. <laughs> My dad w- took me, or I was fortunate enough to go to uh, NWC <coughs> trials in uh, Phoenix, Arizona at the time. And aside from playing Castlevania 3 Beta, it, which was a game I, I particularly w- wanted to go there and play, I got a chance to play Ninja Gaiden 2 before it came out. 
my photo cart and right there it became one of my favorite games. I still have two copies of it ready to go at any time. I just need some extra punishment. That's cool. Uh, Cold the Ark says Turtles in Time home version added a couple levels and played better. Yes, that's true. I've kind of played that Calbunga collection kind of recently and kind of noticed the same type of thing. I just, I'm just, yeah, they just the, the Turtles in Time on Super Nintendo <coughs> much more natural and uh, for me, I guess. I think they refined the combat a little bit. That would make sense. Yeah. Uh, Detano Refki says Parodius Da on Saturn port, I think. Mainly two things. Difficulty balance is better on Saturn port. No slowdown compared to Arcade. Uh, this is a this is an interesting topic that we could do a whole episode about, I'm sure. But I know there are some folks who it used to be a thing in the shmup community where people would decry slowdown in games, particularly in home ports. So you would have stuff like Gradius 3, where you had the Gradius 3 on the Super Nintendo, and people say, well, it would be better if it didn't have the slowdown. Or I distinctly remember people complaining about In the Hunt on Sega Saturn. Oh, there's too much slowdown. Honestly, I don't mind. And sometimes the slowdown is helpful. So if you like playing without slowdown, by all means, fire up the emulator and overclock and all of that stuff. But I'm an old man. I'm going to play with slowdown. <laughs> I, I wonder what it would require to overclock a Saturn now. I wonder if you would require a Segata Sanchiro expansion kit. Maybe it plugs into the MPEG card where that goes. I don't know. It sits, sits on top of the cartridge slot like a 32X. <laughs> Magic mushroom indeed. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's one of the things that I think will be neat to <laughs> talk to Mark MSX about and do a podcast is uh, slow down. You know how are, how accurate do you have to be for slowdown? There is is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? You know, is it somewhere in the middle? Right. Acquiring minds want to know. Yep. I feel although I sort of picture him sitting around the desk like Andy Rooney. And what's up with slowdown? Um, all right. Our next comment comes to us from at Neo Summoner. K-ports on modern consoles with all the enhancements, if that counts. Yeah, if we're talking about the current Switch ports, it's nice to see that they put everything in there, not you know, nickel and diming you. <laughs> For example, um, Mushi, uh, Mushi Himesama had the extra mode on there. I know for DFK, they put in the black label on there, and I can't remember if they had anything to Espelita 2, if, it has, if there was DLC for that or not. Well, there are a lot of modes in Escalade 2, um, and I want to say they're all included on the Switch release. The one thing I don't know on the DFK release is if it includes Ketsupachi. Excuse you? No. 
<laughs> I need to double check that. Okay. Um, CD Sound System says Contra, Rigor, and Ninja Gaiden. Uh, yeah, all those, a lot of those Tecmo NES games had had a had a pretty uh, pretty stark improvement over the uh, arc, uh, arcade games. I think, especially Rigor is a good one too, because that became a whole different type of game. Right, and this was generally a trend that we saw in the eight bit era that either you would get a straight conversion of the game and it would be kind of terrible, like Akari Warriors, or you would get a reimagining of the game, which happened with a lot of Capcom and Konami and Tecmo, like you said. And so that started to become a prevalent thing. It's known as the Micronics effect. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Have Micronics port your arcade game and watch it suck, uh, and then realize for the next game, ooh, we should probably do something better. Well, didn't they do a four? They did 1942. I'm pretty sure they did a Car Warriors. They did. And, and I'm pretty sure anything that was remotely educational was handled by Rare. So that's <laughs> what's there. I think they also did Commando for Capcom. That was one of the... Oh, and, and Ghosts and Goblins, too. Yes. Yes. And they might have even done... Um, oh, you think of Gunsmoke? There's another one no, for you. There's a... It's um, Ikari Warriors 2. Oh, v- uh, Victory, Victory Road. Road. <laughs> I, I don't know if Micronics did that or not. Because, you, you know, the NES is a, a great console for doing speech. You know, right. More like speech impediment, <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Drummer, drummer. Yeah, drummer, drummer. And then uh, Ghostbusters. Sorry, I, I apologize. We're not making fun of anybody or anything on here. We're just making fun of the NES here. And it's uh, poor imitations at speech. Although, to be fair, I would much la- rather listen to Dribble Dribble. Than a speaking spell. <laughs> uh, Definitive Mr. M also chimed in and said Ninja Gaiden. Zoido says, I played a couple of runs on Dust Miles 2 today and I think it's a good choice. The 360 range comes with 16 by 9 more characters, more stages, more bosses, and a difficulty select for each stage. Yeah, Death Miles 2 would be a great thing for Christmas. Unfortunately, we just <laughs> played through Death Miles 1, so I don't want to do a back-to-back thing. But uh, yeah, with Death Miles, it seems like every time they do a new release of that game, they add at least six more modes. And the, for the most part, they're really good. I, I really appreciate everything that they added to it. And I'll be happy to try it for Death Miles 2. Do either of you have experience with Death Miles 2? Nope. No, I, I really don't. I just recently got that collection of Death Smiles 1 and 2, and uh, with the idea of getting it, getting a, a version of Death Smiles 2, uh, and I just tried it out a little bit, but I'm looking forward to trying it some more. I know people don't like it, but I'm, gonna, I, I'm curious to see why. Uh, crispy Crisps. Cri- uh, crispy Crips, I'm sorry. Uh, I prefer the NES version of Contra to the Arcade. Ninja Gaiden is another big one. 
And Gradius 2 for the PC Engine CD is an amazing port uh, that added an extra stage. Ooh, I'm curious about that. Gradius in general seems to be on where people, whatever version it came on, people added to it. <laughs> right, the PC Engine version, it was the same as the MSX or Nemesis that added that graveyard zone on there. You got Gradius 2 on the PC Engine that has extra stage. They really did it up with that. And there, was there any other Konami games that they sort of just add stuff on for the PC Engine? I don't think Parodius had it. Well, the uh, the original Gradius <laughs> PC Engine version took after the MSX version and added that the Boneyard uh, extra stage, the Boneyard. Yeah. Yeah, and let's see here, Fanny's own Fanny's own was so special that they ported it twice and made you buy it. Or no, it was R-Type, I'm sorry. Uh, the original R-Type was so special that it made you buy it twice, right? You had to buy levels 1 through 3 and uh, <laughs> levels f- uh, 4 through 7. It was, it was a 4 through 6, but <laughs> either either way, I think that was, that was DLC, right? Well, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> the, the because of the size of the Hue card, they could only fit the first four stages of... R-Type on the Hue card and so then they had to sell it as two different games and then by the time it came west um, you know they made a bigger Hue card and put it all in one Wasn't there also something weird with the MSX where you had to put in like Nemesis 3 and Nemesis 2 in order to reach the last level on Nemesis 2? I'm trying to remember how that went like Konami was a favorite of doing mix and match so that you could use as like different cheat cartridges and stuff like that. Mm, right. But I was pretty certain that Nemesis three you have to plug like, plug in Nemesis two in the second cartridge slot in order to play last one. And there's all sorts of different lockables that they loved doing at the time and <clears throat> go for them. In fact, <clears throat> Gradius two, I think that might be a twenty twenty three choice. Nice. Have to keep that in mind. Uh, Risk Storage says Sagaya slash Darius 2. The MD version is easier and has quicker reload on shots. Although, I gotta say, the Mega Drive version does not have a thing called a tuna sashimi. So that's a minor knock against it. But I'll allow. <laughs> At Real Lord Dalek says Contra and Super C on the NES trumps their arcade counterparts. And I, I definitely with Contra, Super C, I sort of like the arcade version. Maybe I'm in the small or in the minority for that one. But and both both Contra and Super C on the NES are great games. Um, uh, Sentience X, uh, Sentience IXP says Jackal. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I, I didn't think the arcade one was, was too, too bad or it was pretty fun, but, uh, yeah, the NES was kind of, it seemed more of a, I don't know, just more of a cohesive game. I don't think that's a word for it. Well, the, yeah. the, uh, one that what came stateside was the Famicom disc version. That thing was so weird. You had to like smash TV and use a, se- a second controller. 
in order to fire, if I remember correctly. Wasn't that the one where the second controller, in order to shoot, what directions you had? You used one D-pad to move it, one to shoot? That was one of the game modes, yeah. But, yeah, the the arcade game was very difficult. So, both the Famicom disc system and NES versions are more approachable. Oh, definitely by far. Uh, I swear that would have been like a 75cc game if I didn't have a chance to play on the Mister. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Dr. Lilo says, Time Crisis. The PS1 version looked very close graphically, but included an entire additional campaign and one of the best light guns of all time. Yeah, the Guncom won. In fact, almost every single light gun game that made it from the arcades to a console seems to have been improved in some way. I saw a lot of people talk about Time Crisis 2 being a really good example as well, where they had extra modes and extra content. And I would even go as far to say the uh, not the original part port of Time Crisis 4, but the add-in, the one that has uh, Deadstorm Pirates, the one that came on the PS3 and allows you to play with the move controllers or the uh, GunCon 3 it is much better than the arcades. And the, the GunCon 3s are sort of funny because you can like reload them by just twirling them around. Mm. <laughs> Plus they're natively supported by the Mister. <laughs> There's a lot of fun stuff you can do <laughs> with those. So if you happen to see uh, the uh, <laughs> Time Crisis 4 collection, I think is what it's called, PS3, it's kind of expensive. It used to be like 5 bucks, now it's 60 But if you happen to find a copy on their snag it cheap and you can use the move controllers on it so you don't have to set up the uh, Power Glove-esque uh, light bar <laughs> on top of your TV. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Definitely worth checking out. Yeah, that's what I'm on the lookout for. Oh, and don't forget, if you have Time Crisis 2 and 3, and there you can use the Firewire or the Firelink on the front of the your PS2s to link up two consoles together to make it just like the arcade. I don't know who's going to oh, be. That's kind of cool. I don't know. Yeah, that's. I don't know who's going to be lugging two CRTs, or, but if you if you got the will on the way, definitely it's a fun way to play that game. All right. Tony Toon says Gradius Three. I love to see a Gradius Three Point Five with the enhanced playability, also aka difficulty. Uh, the Super Nintendo version combined with content cut from the arcade. Contra, Super Contra are both objectively superior on the NES as well. Yeah, another vote for Contra. I figured, I thought Contra would be the one that was mentioned most, but maybe Gradius 3 is. Well, we sort of got, I won't say Gradius 3.5, but maybe Gradius 3.25 with the PS2 launch title, Gradius 3 and 4. They did sort of add it, uh, they did sort of add the edit mode, or something like the edit mode, that's in the Super Nintendo Gradius 3 game as an option. So, it does improve it some. Uh, Don Maku Man Retro says, Outrun 2006, Coast to Coast, port of Outrun 2 SP. Not only has both versions, uh, both versions courses, but also a ton of unlockable cars, 
songs, colors, etc., along with extra game modes for a lot of replay value. Also being one of the greatest racing games ever. Uh, yeah, I can't compare it to the arcade game. I never played that, but uh, I have the one for... I have it on PS2, and that's a lot of fun. That's... I... It's definitely one of my favorite uh, racing games ever, too. Yeah, I'm I'm terrible at racing games, but I've always enjoyed Outrun because I never feel the pressure of racing in the same way. And Outrun 2006 Coast to Coast is a fantastic package. And it's a bit of a shame that it's locked to the PSP and that... You know, it, it hasn't been and likely won't be re-released because of licensing issues with the cars. Oh yeah, that that the the hard copy of that has like a Ferrari logo on it. Mm-hmm. I think exactly. Yep. The rectilinear, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that might be, which is kind of fun because it makes me think I own like a Ferrari product. You know. <laughs> I'm beginning to wonder, so if OutRun doesn't uh, make you feel under pressure, then does Daytona? It it does, yeah. Oh, I can even start saying do-do-do-do-do-do. No? (laughs) 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 Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. No, I'm wanting to sing Daytona in their heads. That's all right. I'll spare people from my uh, Daytona impression. <laughs> At the gaming uh, hubby says chill knob atomic runner for the mega drive got a significant graphics boost and plays just as well yeah chill knob is one that i saw mentioned a couple different times and it's one that i've been meaning to try but i really haven't do either of you have experience with this game i remember playing it ever so briefly in emulation um, for the Genesis, and then I remember there was a, a KOA campground that I was at randomly as a kid, and they had a, a Kelnov uh, arcade machine, and I threw a quarter or two in, and I was a little confused by it. I wasn't quite sure what I was doing, um, and so this is one I definitely want to go back to at some point. I saw a copy at a retro store uh, actually just yesterday, and unfortunately this one's kind of gone up in price. They wanted $80 for it. But I know Shmup Junkie is a huge fan of this one. Yeah, I've played it, uh, the Genesis port of it, and... It's, it, I don't know, it like hurts my brain a little bit, because it's like auto-scrolling, but it's a platformer, but then it's kind of like a shooter, so I'm just, uh, I don't know exactly what kind of game I'm playing, so it just hurts my head. <laughs> yeah, it, it would probably take a little bit to kind of get the logistics down and figure out how to play. Uh, another vote for Ninja Gaiden from Ed9. Um, and Kamapu, Kamadupe, an 85, says, uh, Crazy Taxi, a new city, more modes, mini-games, uh, same for Monkey Ball. Yeah, Crazy Taxi was definitely one that I saw a couple times 
there, you know, with the more city, more everything. It's weird to think because it was pretty much in the only port. <clears throat> but, the, the, you know, Sega, I guess, learns his lesson from Space Harrier 2 that you can't just do arcade to console conversions and leave it at that. You got to add more to it. No one's going to say it's time to make some crazy money. <laughs> I was just going to say, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, Kiki76 said, uh, SNES Turtles in Time, haven't played the ARC version a lot myself, so not too sure. Yeah, I imagine we got a lot of stuff for Turtles in Time. It seems a pretty popular one. Hornhead says the SNES version of Street Fighter 2. Hear me out. It added same character play by way of a code. Character versus character didn't happen in the arcade until Champion Edition. Street Fighter is something I expected someone to say the 3DO port. Is I keep hearing hmm. the 3DO port with its improvised uh, soundtrack or improved soundtrack as being the main draws of the version of everything the other ones did and more. Because <laughs> with uh, Street Fighter 2, when you got around to that area, it was usually <laughs> the CPS 1 versus CPS 2, right? Did you prefer the music of that? And I, I know that there was a data disc did a breakup right when there was a, a direct rip off the arcade hardware the cps2 versus the cps1 and so they had to have a, two different collections but i, I could see as being able to play mirror matches as a big draw for the original street Fighter 2 that and you're not you know having to throw in you know four quarters in order to be able to practice your the moveset of your favorite fighter yeah, and then uh, also at the arcade, you don't have to put your put your quarter on the marquee uh, <laughs> to wait for your turn just to get smashed by some guy who knows all the moves and uh, has kind of mastered you know one of the characters. So absolutely. Yeah, thankfully it wasn't uh, Street Fighter One. If you put yours on the marquee and someone smashed those buttons, your quarter would go flying off. <laughs> By the way, that was uh, Brave Wave, not Data Disc. Oh, I'm sorry, Brave Wave, yes. Thank you. Yeah, that's all right. I have that vinyl set, so I know. Oh, you that. do? Okay. At Banana Bite says, Staying on the Schmuffs Lane. Silkworm on Amiga, not a console, but still a home system. Slap Fight on the Mega Drive, and Xevious on the MSX again. <clears throat> yeah, uh, that was one of the things I was wondering if people were going to bring up is a lot of the Amiga ports were actually better than the arcade version. And the Amiga had pretty good graphical prowess, especially if you had the appropriate adding cards to match everything. So I'm surprised that this didn't come sooner. But, But I would definitely agree with Silkworm on the Amiga. I'll agree with Slap Fight too on the uh, on the Mega Drive. Uh, that's that's a really good port of that, or a good version. A lot of added added music and maybe some new graphics and stuff. I believe. Yep. 
Oh, and then, uh, yeah, so uh, Brandon Guerreras97 says, I'll say Slap Fight. Uh, I really enjoyed Slap Fight Mega Drive and the special mode, the music with Yuzo Koshiro. It's one of my favorite arcade ports that holds up uh, that holds up one of my proudest shmup achievements. Yeah, absolutely. And closing things out is uh, our buddy Duke Togo, a.k.a. at CollectorCast on uh, Twitter, says, Rygar, the arcade game was a decent action game, but the NES port really opened things up. So a lot more votes for Rygar than I would have expected, even though it's a more obvious choice. And actually more for Slap Fight than I was uh, anticipating. I, I think it's pretty close in terms of Contra or Ninja Gaiden, really. So what about your choices? Um, I was going to say a lot A lot of these were already mentioned, but one extra one I'll throw in there is uh, Tecmo Bowl. Um, Tecmo Bowl on the arcade, you couldn't even, you couldn't pick plays. It played very strangely. It didn't have like real characters or a real player from the era. Um, and uh, it's on the NES, it just plays it's much more fun. You can pick your plays. It has little cutscenes. You know, great music. Um, yeah. Sorry to bring up a sports game, but uh, that one's <laughs> that. I always I love that one. So, <laughs> no, nothing wrong with that. Um, I mean, obviously, Fire Shark is the reason I asked the question, and it is a prime example. Um, another one that I would say, I guess I would call this a, maybe a selfish pick, but I'm going to say Altered Beast on the Sega Genesis. Um, it might not be objectively superior to the arcade version, but I like the fact that it's more approachable and it doesn't beat me into complete submission like the arcade version does. I could actually beat the Genesis version, which I felt pretty good about. Um, so that's one that I actually enjoy more. Yeah, I think you owe us a wise from your grave. Wise <laughs> from your grave. Thank you, Elmer. No. <laughs> I, I, I have to say, if you enjoy the Genesis version, try the Famicom version. It's Adds in like two extra levels and it's weird and two transformations. I didn't say it's better than the arcade version. It's just weird. It's huh. different one that most people haven't played. Is it different than the Master System version? Yes, it is. It's got different content than the Master System version. Didn't say it's better. It's just as different content. <laughs> wow, the Master System version is special. Well, is it like the Golden Axe where they use background tiles to animate most of the stuff? Oh, I, yeah. I couldn't remember. It's, yeah. yeah. It's hot garbage. Now, I'm going to go with my picks. I'm going to go a little bit out of left field here. 
<clears throat> so I'm going to start with the ones I'm surprised people didn't bring up. <clears throat> I would have to say that all of the Tekken games were better when they came to the home consoles. Especially Tekken Tag. Oh, yeah. And Tekken mm-hmm. 3? Yep. <clears throat> and then uh, the uh, the other part I would have to say is Soul Calibur. Soul Calibur mm. was so much better. That was an Amco System 12 joint, which means it was on PlayStation hardware when it was in the arcades. <laughs> and the Dreamcast version is just magnifique. Beautiful. Oh, yeah. I mean... That game in 480p looks yep. crisp. But I'm going to have to go with the Black Sheep as my pick for this month. And that Black Sheep is Karnoff. I, th- oh. I think that the, the home port of Karnoff, especially the Famicom version, which throws in story, which is you know completely... Uh, that is the word I'm looking for here. Work time fun. It's it's full of work time fun. It's like God decides to punish Karnov, so he sends him to go do battle, destroy the great evil thing, and you have like a good ending and a bad ending in the Famicom version. And if you get the good ending, and God releases you and you live like a king, I forget it's really weird, but mm. it's definitely you know, not as. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's data east, so it's always interesting. Uh, but it, it's definitely one that you don't see most people play or even compare to the arcade version. Uh, definitely worth it. And, right. And you can, might even say Joe and Mac if you're talking about data east games. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah and most people don't even know that game had a, uh, what would you call it? Not really a reimagining that just came out. Oh, sure. Joe Mac HD. <clears throat> but the one thing I think that most people, and you could take this either way, way mi- missed on here is Punch Out. I think the arcade Punch Out to Mike Tyson's Punch Out. You'll find a lot of people who think that pun- either Punch Out or Mike Tyson's Punch Out is a much better game. Absolutely. Yeah, great choice. <laughs> No, I, um, I I just thought about it, and I actually have two honorable mentions here. I would have to three, maybe three, uh, three uh, honorable mention. It would be since you mentioned uh, sports game, I would have to say NFL Blitz. NFL Blitz became better when it came to the consoles. Hmm. The other game that I would put on with that list, and this is debatable, is NBA Jam. And being a gem is great in the arcades, but some would say maybe it's a lot better when it's played <clears throat> at home on the console, especially if you're you know, doing like a multi-tap. And then the the last one that people I mentioned, I, you could sort of throw in the cruising series on here, but the one I mentioned specifically was uh, San Francisco Rush. Rush, to- oh, not sure. Rush and Rush 2049 has extra modes and stuff. Right, I never, I never played any of those. I don't think you're missing too much about the cruising, but Rush is pretty yeah. fun. Hmm. Of course, you know everybody's got tons of time around this holiday season here. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think I have the new God of War game sitting in my PS4 for like, the past two weeks. I haven't even chance to turn it on. Yeah, yeah. I just 
there's just so many things so many things out there and then and then uh, once in a while you'll find a game that just kind of takes up a lot of a lot of time like a lot of time and stuff i was not predicting to play play like as much splatoon 3 as i thought i would but other other people have been mm. playing it and you know my nephew's been playing it and, and just kind of like hey you want to play you know like okay <laughs> just was not really on my radar and uh I don't know. I just kind of oh, really so, got into it too. So I'm so thankful I was saved on that one. My son just grabbed my copy and he he's just been hugging it. So <laughs> <laughs> I got saved on that one. I ended up starting uh, Never Awake for a little bit. So I'll just play a little bit here and there. I end up just playing all the way through of it. That and uh, what was it? Um, not Des Destopia because that's stuck in my mind. Thanks to Strictly Limit, but. Um, Oh, what's what's the new uh, NG Dev game again? Oh, Gunvane. Gunvane. Yep. I wouldn't expect to enjoy Gunvane so much that game. If you like Damaku, check out Gunvane. Is that game will seriously push your skills? It's, it's it reminds me a lot of <coughs> taking. Um, uh, I don't know why it's not Diamond Dallas Page um, DDP um, <laughs> and taking D- DDP and then putting in uh, and then putting in in bombing mechanics because you, not only do you have to route on there I guess it's got some Crimson Clover in too but the basic idea is you have to find the best path as you're shooting through and you're dodging bullet patterns and you're switching between focus shot and your regular shot and the quicker you kill enemies, the more B icons you get. And the, you get 10 B icons, you get a bomb. And when you hit off the bomb, it's similar to causing a, uh, a break that, that you do in Crimson Clover, right? So you start getting stars, so you increase your score that way. But things are moving very, very fast. So you're always dodging. I mean, it's, it's uh, I think, the only shmup that m- my thumbs hurt after playing like a level and a half. <laughs> And it's got the it's got bamba in it, which is always a plus. And it also has the lock on of Ray Storm. So even if there's a little bit of down between popcorn and dealing with your medium sized enemies and your bosses, there's hidden icons. You know, sort of like the Raiden series, where there's that little what the little icon that you get where if you lock onto them and you destroy it, you can pick up extra. <laughs> bomb shards or bomb icons to pull everything up. It's got a really interesting dynamic that keeps the game moving at a frantic or frantic pace. And it's a lot of fun. I can't wait to see how people route this. There, If you like cave stuff, uh, it's definitely worth a shot. And that's going to be the that's going to be the year-long game next, next year, right? Yeah, I'm definitely going to check that out. That's on Steam, right? It's on Steam, yep, and I imagine it'll come over to the, uh, it has to come over to the Switch because the button inputs aren't matched to the Xbox, they're matched to the Switch. Okay. Mm. It's like a, yeah, you figured out something there. But, uh, yeah. Well, you know, with right. the Switch, it's always like A is on the very far right, where on the Xbox and most controllers, it's, uh, well, I guess actually, in, if you're going with the PS4 controller, it's Circle, which Circle in Japanese is Yes. Is X is no, you know, Microsoft and their no box. That's what the Xbox means in Japan. 
no box. <laughs> mm. So, <clears throat> no, gun is a lot of fun. It just hurts my hands playing <clears throat> for the name. It is the game is so frantic. Well, stuff. <clears throat> it's weird to think that I'm calling a game frantic that isn't. Um, Oh, what's the, the one that we played with Cthulhu? Was it last year? Projects. Oh, Star Starship. Project Starship. Project Starship. I mean, they, they can get a little manic, but <clears throat> this thing's just got bullets and routing. You're constantly doing something. Yeah, I look forward to it. That's what I like. That's what I like about you know the podcast. Uh, you guys always kind of. You guys are always like on the, you know, the verge of what's new and everything, and uh, I kind of this is kind of how I get that information. Or you know, I'll watch a Mark MSX video or something. Okay, that, here's a game. You guys between you guys and him and uh, Studio Mud Prince, I'm like, okay, there's a game I should be paying attention to. I guess you know, maybe it'll get a physical release or you know. Um, so if I hear everyone mention it, then then uh, yeah, okay, that's one I should pay attention to. It, nice. Yeah, thank you. We were trying to I mean, decide between that and Soulstar, and I think a lot of people would like Soulstar, but it, Soulstar d- has a bit of emphasis on scoring, but it doesn't have as much as you would get with Gummy. I mean, it's like trying to compare something with uh, maybe uh, <coughs> an early cave game with something with the, the likes uh, oh shoot, where the heck was I going with it? <coughs> with uh, with DFK or, or something more, or, or Crimson Cloak, I, I think that we need more than just good mechanics in order to make it a year-long endeavor. We've got to have some way that people can share scoring tips. And I think the best way to do that is to pick a game where a lot of people are interested in trying to do learn more about routing and how to oh. score. I, I think that had we done the same... When Crimson Clover came out on the Switch, that could have been a year-long game. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, with Mushi this year, there's just so many modes that um, it's just... <laughs> I've been just trying to discover each of the modes and which one I like the most and which one do I want to, you know, continue to play. Um, and, uh, yeah. And we'll get into that, I guess. But Well, well yeah, that's... <laughs> I'm sorry. I just want to say, within motion, I like it, but we can't we can't keep doing cave all the time. We need to have something different. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Right. Yeah. Well, that segues nicely into our focus shot discussion, since you mentioned Mushi. Yeah, uh, I've played. A, I've I've been playing Mushi uh, throughout the year, um, just kind of off and on. Um, and just yeah it's like discovering all the different modes and you know the the original mode and the arranged mode and the 1.5 and different ships the different weapons uh or the different different weapons really and different formations and um and i you know my my i just kind of recently just discovered don maku games I haven't I haven't played them too much. Other than like probably for the past four years, I kind of discovered them and just kind of played them casually and getting getting into them a little bit more. Um, 
But one of the one of the early Danmaku games I was I kind of got into was Mushi Futari, and um, on on the 360, and uh, I kind of feel like I think I'm preferring the 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 1.5 uh, version. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just feel that just feels a lot more like uh, uh, Futari to me. Um, it just feels more balanced. There's like there's I. I think there's more slowdown. Um, it just it does it seems a it just seems a little bit more it just seems a little nicer uh, uh, of, of a game. Um, and I don't feel underpowered. I think in the original version, I felt like I feel a little underpowered when I played it. And of course, I'm comparing it to Fatari kind of the whole time when I'm playing it. Um, but uh, yeah, so I've been playing 1.5, and uh, yeah, recently I. I got up to level f- level five with the uh, without continuing it was kind of a lucky run i'd say um and I, I, I know you guys have mentioned this but uh level three is is a real bear um and uh you know i found like level four to be easier than level three um but uh yeah i've been having a but i have been having a lot of fun with it um and uh yeah i'll keep uh i'll keep playing hmm i don't know level four is plenty difficult with those um stick bug things the they're not uh centipedes but they're kind of like centipedes yeah i know what you mean yeah i kind of i I don't know i i'm starting to develop a strategy if i if i if i'm really aggressive on those um, really get in their face, then I can kind of clear them out a little bit quicker and easier and just not, they don't spread as many bullets everywhere. Hmm. Sure, that makes sense. Yeah, I probably need to learn to do that. I've been I've been messing with 1.5 as I mentioned last episode and I don't know, I I was, I've been discouraged lately Part of it's my own fault because I'm not playing it every day like I should, and I'm not playing it as often as I should. So every time I take a break and then I go back, I play terrible, and I feel like my skills have plateaued and I'm not making any progress. But I know that if I just worked at it a little bit more and really put the time into it, I probably could progress. Um, But yeah... Uh, it it still feels like I'm I don't know like I'm spinning my wheels a little bit after doing a shooting game podcast for four years part of me in the back of my mind says shouldn't I be better at these games by now <laughs> so yeah that's that's always the thing I'm I'm struggling with I think it's also hard to go from like you know this month this month we played Fire Shark. It's hard to go from like an old old school game to like a Don Maku game. I don't. It takes a it takes a few runs and to kind of get your brain acclimated to, uh, you know, to to a Don Maku game from you know. Right. Yeah, and and that's that's a factor that I don't always factor in. And so when I'm bouncing back and forth between our regular monthly game and our focus shot game, 
yeah, it can be hard to adapt and get into the right mindset for that. You know, I think that the way that you're describing your your experience with Mushi is the same way I would describe my golf game. Well, every time I think I'm doing better, I end up doing worse, and I feel that my skills should be better. <laughs> yeah, that describes my golf game. <clears throat> no, I I completely agree that stage four is a bit. I compare it a lot to stage three within the original R type, with you got the the battleship. It can be a, a stopping point for a lot of runs. Even when you get to the very end, I mean, routing through most of the stage is pretty doable, but when you get to the end and you get to the end of the boss that has those six different points where it can attack you from on each, well, three on each side, and then it's, and you got the middle, dealing with that part is pretty frustrating. And I think it's easier to route stage four than it is to deal with that end, bo- the end part of that boss. Or the battleship bug. <laughs> that being said, uh, you know, as I as I work my way through that, I go back to like stage one or two, and then I get hit by a stray bullet. There, like, what the heck happened? So, mm-hmm. I, gu- yeah. I guess I'm feeling the same things as you with my you know, <clears throat> my, my uh, schmupping score or my golf score. There, I, I thought I was better than this. It's also interesting, Corkman, that you brought up Futari because both Addicted and I have made comparisons to Fatari in just conversation about this game during the course of the year because I played Fatari first and yep yep so that was my reference point and I think Fatari is generally more well regarded than the original uh, and I can see why I took to the original early in the year when I started playing it um, but the more the more time I spend with it the more I realize that it has some quirks that I wasn't expecting and certainly some some things that make me want to go and play Fatari again so I can compare and really dig in a little bit to see, okay, which of these games do I actually like better? Because rather than trying to lean on the recency bias of having played a bunch of the original versus the the bias of the one that I played first is the one that I like best, which I'm guilty of uh, a lot of times, you know, I want to actually compare the two and say which of these is actually objectively the better game right right yeah i know i know fatari i I was kind of playing that during the pandemic you know and i had a lot more kind of time and i was playing it like almost every every day just just at least a couple of runs and um yeah i kind of kind of got hooked on it for a while and uh, I think this I think this is just as good um, maybe not quite as good but uh, yeah I, I'm having the same kind of fun that I am with I, that I do that I did with Fatari, Fatari so 
Well, hats off for getting to stave stage five without uh, having to continue. I certainly haven't managed to do that, even on a lucky run. So that's pretty good. Yeah, thanks. Uh, my bombs are your friend. So. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> I definitely bombed, just bombed things and to get just erase that pattern. <laughs> but that's what I would need to do to do better is just to be able to deal with those patterns. I'm just bombing through right now, so. Right. Yeah, I'm too much of a bomb hoarder. Yeah, there's there's gonna be something where <clears throat> we maybe do some shirts or something. Doc, Doctor Strange bomb. I don't know what we do. How I how I learned to stop worrying and love the bomb. Doctor Schmup love. Schmup Schmup love. <laughs> yeah, you get some weird <laughs> things on that one there. What's the Schmup love that you're into on here? Uh, <laughs> cue the Barry White. Jeez, oh, no, no, no! That's getting confused with Deep Space Wife, who it's confused you. <laughs> Can't get enough schmuff love, babe. Watch out! Someone will request that song for you. <laughs> well, that'll be on the Steam Hearts episode, right? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, here's <laughs> another one for you that you could do a cover of. Uh, the, the one that Weird Al also did as well for um, I Love Rocky Road. You know, I Love Rock and Roll. Pat Benatar, the Scorpions. <laughs> I love what? STGs. They, Put uh, another quarter in the cabinet, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some Joan Jet. There you go. Yeah, Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. Oh, Joan Jett, I'm sorry. I think it was Pat Bennett and the Scorpions. Yeah, I have no idea. I need more coffee. Insert coffee. (laughs) Although, I wouldn't mind hearing Pat Benatar fronting the Scorpions. That would be interesting. I'd listen to that. Alright, well, I think... That is going to wrap up our our focus shot segments for the year, and so uh, be watching for a special Mushihime focus shot episode coming soon-ish. Um, we hope to be coordinating that with a special guest, so that is forthcoming. Yeah, you know, and the special guest is uh, Mark Wright from the Intergalactic Space Station. He's just going to tell us how great Truxton is. <laughs> uh, probably not. <coughs> but now let's move into Shmup News. Shmup News that you can use. All right. That's right. So, all the news that's fit to Shmup. shmup. Strictly Limited Games is releasing a Nintendo Switch physical double pack of shmups from the same developer. That being Destopia and Mecha Ritz Steel Rondo from developer Hey and publisher Hanjai Games. And copies are still available for peer or pre-order at this time of recording, but 
It's pretty hard. The black label version has sold out, and the white label is down to 20% left. Yeah, so definitely get your order in soon if you plan on snagging that. Yeah, I had a chance to play, uh, not Destopia, I still didn't play that, but I had to play a chance to play Mecharondo. And that game is not meant to wow in the graphics department, but when it comes to gameplay, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. That was one of those games that could be, you know, like an undiscovered Toho Toho fan game. And all of a sudden, someone just shows it and is like, well, it's got pixelated girls riding girls on here on brooms or something or other. I don't care. This game's a lot of fun and the music rocks. Yeah, I I know nothing about these games, so uh, I'm kind of, I've been kind of on the fence on if I want to pick this up or not. But uh, I'm gonna have to do a little bit more research on them. In a nutshell, Mecharitz is traditional Danmaku with some interesting elements, and <clears throat> despite how crazy the game looks, it actually, from what I've seen appears to be very approachable. And then Desatopia is a horizontal scroller that has a very unique weapon system where your ship can fire in four directions and each direction is its own unique weapon. And you power those up over time and uh, rather than holding the button down to just fire away, you actually let you know, let up off the fire button so that you can charge it up for a more powerful blast and do that kind of strategically. And there's a lot of interesting lore to that game, um, but it's it looks really interesting and unique. Hmm. Yes, it does, yeah. I'll have to think about that one. Um... So this is big news. There's a new shooting game in development for the Sega Mega Drive and Genesis that is in the works from Yuzo Koshiro. Streets of STG. He put this this out on Twitter, and there were a couple of photos. uh, And it looks like they were two photos from different areas in the same stage, but it looks promising. And certainly not like some kind of bootleg or or low quality, you know, ind- independent work or whatever. It looks like a legitimate game that might have come out during the the 16-bit era. So I'm I'm pretty uh, pretty stoked about the possibilities. Oh, I mean, anytime we can get another 16-bit STG, uh, I'm all for it. It, it. You know, it doesn't matter if the game ends up being... I prefer it not be, but it doesn't matter if the game ends up being crap because you can... It, these type of stuff just aren't really for aren't made anymore. I mean, right. The NES games, I don't know what's going on with that, but they seem to be a dime a dozen these days for... Or NES inspired games, but something on the lines of the Genesis, you you really don't see that many of them. No, I mean there's a couple in the works right now with uh, ZPF and uh, Arena Genesis Metal Fury, which I backed on Kickstarter. 
but yeah, it's it, it's not as widespread as NES type stuff. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to this. Um, you know, I love I love Mega Drive shoot 'em up, so uh, keep keep them coming. Absolutely. Uh, Cave has pushed back the release of their licensed Toho shooter, which was supposed to release by the end of 2022, all the way to April 2023. Cavehead uh, IKD uh, said that they wanted extra time to add content to ensure quality before the game's launch. Yeah, the interesting thing about this is when you think about Toho and you generally think about the mainline Toho games and I would say most of the fan STGs, they are vertical games. But this one is a horizontal game. And I know there was a horizontal Toho shooter that released on the Switch a few short years ago. That was, I think, generally well-received. Uh, but it's kind of interesting that Cave is is going back to the well from a shooting game perspective, but rather than their bread and butter, which is vertical shooting games, they're doing a horizontal with Toho, which is not usually horizontal so it'll be interesting to see what they do with that idea uh, 8-bit styled indie Danmaku game A2 Zygon is out now on Steam and that released uh, as of the time of this recording just a few days ago and I guess somebody really liked it because uh, Mark MSX posted something on the Electric Underground Reddit that uh, somebody had already gone in and unlocked all the trophies on Steam and, you know, basically opened the game up uh, all the way. (laughs) So, somebody likes it. You make it sound like a uh, Life Zero commercial. Mikey likes it. I think he likes it. <laughs> no, eight, any type of new SDG is good. I, I'm happy to see that more people are creating these games, more people are trying these games. I think we mentioned several times that if you go back and listen to some of the earlier uh, Electric Underground, there are people talking about gateway shmups or gateway SDGs where... Like, how do we get more people playing shmups? I think at this point we've had, had more people interested in the genre than we've ever had. And more and different takes on some of the stuff than, than they're in resurgence and more people trying stuff out here. It's really good. I'm hoping that maybe we can get enough interest to get a new uh, Thunder Force game out there. Oh, man. Speaking my language. Take that. Watch it comes a EX Arcadia exclusive, <laughs> or, or or it could be exclusive for uh, what, what's that? Uh, um, the Evercade EXP. 
All right. Well, now that Sega owns the property, who knows? <laughs> it'll just become be molded in. It'll be a mini game that's in uh, Fantasy Star Online. Yeah. <laughs> or the next Persona game. <laughs> Persona sex schmupping all night. <laughs> well, maybe we'll get lucky and when Yakuza 7 eventually comes out, Thunder Force AC will be one of the games you can play in the arcade in town. It, it, well, they already they were doing already. It's uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon 2. I I forget. Maybe they're just dropping the name. Maybe it's just like like a dragon too. I was trying to remember, but mm. <clears throat> if anyone has a chance to play uh, the like a dragon game, definitely give it a shot. It plays a lot more like Earthbound than I thought it would, and I had a fun time with it. It's not you don't need to play the other ones, the the first like six and six and a quarter entries in order to understand it. You can start with like a dragon and. It's for a turn-based RPG, a lot of fun, a lot of wacky attack and stuff on there, and uh, well, it wouldn't be a Yakuza game without really wacky stuff. True. And speaking of really wacky stuff, Rolling Gunner and Overpowered will be coming to both PS4 and Steam. So, I'm looking forward to playing this on Steam. (laughs) You know, Steam is my platform of choice for games like that and uh, oh shoot the uh, Natsuki Chronicles you know any t- any type that you give me a horizontally scrolling shooter with some sort of a little bit weird game mechanics so definitely looking forward to it yeah, yeah. That, this is this is one I really need to dive into someday. I, ha- I have I have a copy of it and I played it and I, I was like, this is this is something kind of kind of special. I love the idea of using like the right analog stick to control uh, your your shot. Yeah, I I sort of was I was playing was it Pocky and Rocky Reshrine recently. I like the control scheme, but I was sort of thinking. It might be fun to have an alternate option where you that turns into a twin stick shooter. Yeah, absolutely. That would be that game was that game was a lot of fun. But yeah, there's just a lot of times where you kind of man, if you had those twin stick uh, mechanics, then you'd be able to get yourself out of a lot of trouble, and it would just be a lot more fun, a lot more fun of a game. I think. Um, speaking of twin stick, come on, arcade archives. Where's my Smash TV? In and- Maximum Carnage, where is it? Or is it Total Carnage? I'm sorry. <laughs> I got the, the soundtrack on there wrong. Yep. Uh, the f- Maybe I buy that for a dollar. The final Toe Plan shooter, Batsugun, will be getting an EXA re release with new content tentatively called Batsugun EXA label. Um. Well, it's good to have new Batsugun, you know, news. Now, I don't know if we're ever going to be able to get our hands on this, but... Yeah, my understanding of the way that EXA stuff works is that the EXA version, because they're contractually obligated to include new content, 
it means that the exaversion won't be um, eligible for any kind of porting for, I think, a certain length of time that it has to remain exa-exclusive. I don't think this precludes either Bitwave or M2 from doing the, uh, the home ports that they were planning on doing. So I think we're probably still good there. We would still be able to get Batsugun and Batsugun Special, uh, but whatever new stuff they add to the Exa version probably would not be able to come home anytime soon. <clears throat> and I know some of the early Exa Arcadia releases that came out as much as, what, three, four years ago, there's been no no indication that those are coming home anytime soon. So, you know, one of the games that we played earlier in the podcast, Veritra, there's Veritra Hexa, which adds new stuff, and I haven't heard anything about some kind of release for that. So, my guess is it'll be a few years before we see any of that content making its way onto console or PC. Yeah, I'll probably be on about the third time limited run uh, releases that, that on a disc, right? I, that's, I'm sort of wondering if that's the direction that we're going. We have Embracer Group now that owns limited run games working to bring a lot of these titles on. I mean, they're, they're dealing with, well, that's Columbus Circle I'm thinking about, Glaylancer for a second, but they, they're bringing gimmick and all this other stuff forward again. I wonder if, you know, by the time we get to, like, the PSX version, we get all these EX Arcadia add-ons here, or it's just DLC or stuff. Uh, gimm- you know, gimmicks in the same boat as Veritra, and, you know, we got Batsugun. <laughs> but you, w- you would think that if they keep re-releasing these, even though they're limited, you know, look at River City Girls. I mean, how many darn versions of that thing has come out, right? You got your PS, right. PS4, your Switch, and your PS5, and we all know they'll be like, as long as someone can, has a disk drive or you can hook up some sort of disk drive to the PS6, there'll be a PSX version of River City Girls. So I, I wonder how much it'll take before we actually get a release that includes it. Or maybe it's just DLC down the road. This could be. Yep. And now on to the most exciting news of the month. The 1994 arcade shooter Mazinger G. Sorry, G. <laughs> the most exciting stuff, my tongue twister. The 1994 arcade shooter Mazinger Z will be getting an arcade archives release. It's exciting because it opens the door to other Bam Presto licensed arcade shooters from that time period. Bam Presto... <clears throat> And time period was known for making sort of subpar arcade games, but they were always anime licensed, so they were always super, super popular. And in the mid-90s, the two that were the most popular were, of course, Dragon Ball Z and Sailor Moon. They did a... That's not to say that all of them were crap, because they did some really cool Gundam games, and designer um, uh, Z worked on is a shmup that I don't think almost anyone has played you know outside of emulation so I'm really want to support 
projects like this, and hopefully we can get some more stuff in. I'm hoping that maybe we can get... I mean, this is for more Sega, and that's Manpresto, but I'm hoping we can get... St- you know, get the Manpresto license. There were two of them. There was uh, Dragon Ball Z Super Battle, I think it was, and Dragon Ball Z Super Battle 20... Uh, not 22, I'm sorry. That was the PlayStation. Super Battle 2. And then I know there was a F91 Gundam game. There's a... I'm super but I'm, I'm hoping it opens the door in some of these titles. There's a lot of just interesting stuff that never really saw the light of day outside of these stuff. Like the System 32, which is the same thing that ran on the Spider-Man. It was sort of like Sega's last gasp for dealing with like super scaling, you know, like this type of stuff that you saw within OutRun. Imagine, I mean, like a dedicated daughter board to it. Really interesting stuff, but really, really flaky hardware. It... There was a Dragon Ball Z game for that that had, I was lucky enough to import in uh, <clears throat> import in about 2001. But it's like Punch Out with with Dragon Ball Z. You know, it's behind the character's bag. It, really, really different stuff and different playstyles that you hadn't seen before. So I'm hoping this opens up the gate to get a lot more of these interesting ideas brought out and then given a console release. Well, yeah, I mean, you were talking about some of that and, and you know, I'm thinking there's Mobile Suit Gundam EX Review, which is a robot or a Gundam fighting game, but thinking about Ben Presto shoot 'em ups I mean, we've also got Super Space Fortress Macross, Macross Plus, Macross Ultra Plus X weapons. Forgetting the so, original Macross and Macross Two, Macross Plus is where it's at. Right. So this could open the door for some some additional stuff. So I'm I'm hoping that that eventually materializes. You know, if Macross Plus comes out on Arcade Archives, you will see. Uh, Studio Mud Prince will make probably like entire series of videos about it. <laughs> Let's see. The uh, M2 STG team has a live stream on December 23rd, uh, which is supposed to have updates on Alest Branch, Ubisana, and the Ray's Chronology series. So this is good uh, because. A less branch, they've been pretty quiet about. Um, yeah, the, the course, raise is... That that went to pre-order quite a while, right? <laughs> I mean, that's supposed to be coming out in like quarter one of next year. Right. And my understanding is uh, Ubusana was thought to be vaporware at one point. That was um, the one that was supposed to be a pre-order, right? A Ferrez Ubisana? No. Uh, that's... Um, uh, no, that was the... Uh, R-Gear. R-Gear, sorry. Yep. Yeah. No, Ubusana was another project uh, from... Uh, what's the guy? Hiroshi Iuchi, I think. But... A bunch of people in the Shmup community were thinking that it was it was probably dead, but apparently it's not. So 
either way, this is good news. Excellent. Uh, December 23rd, Christmas comes early. Yeah. But we don't expect any news on any new Toa Plan releases for this up this update, right? Probably not. I mean, I want to say if they keep up the... Or if they started a cadence with the two Toa Plan Arcade Garage releases, hopefully that means we'll be maybe looking for one in the spring. Um, but I haven't heard anything yet. Yeah, they announce them and then they come out pretty soon after they announce them, don't they, usually? Usually. Yeah. Uh, there's a free shmup releasing on Steam in December called Space Runaway, which is a side game in the forthcoming zombie game Wanted Dead Releases. Yeah, this is something that I saw in one of the shmup discords, and based on the short video that you can watch at the Steam page, you see these two characters in the game, and the one is standing in front of an arcade game for Space Runaway, and it's sort of a mech shmup thing. It looks like it's fun, but I guess this is going to be a limited release. So it's probably one of those things where you should go on Steam, add it to your wish list, and then when it drops, make sure to download it and get it installed um, so that you can play it and then hopefully hold on to it. Is this very similar to uh, How to Shoot 'em Up Girls? <laughs> You know what I'm talking oh, about? Yeah. The, the, is, is it wrong to shoot them up girls in a dungeon? Yep. Right. Yeah, I don't know. That actually got its own standalone release, whereas this seems like it's a teaser for this other game, and then maybe when you buy the other game, this will be unlockable or playable in the game as a minigame. Hmm. Well, free shmup. I'm not going to... Look, a uh, schmuck horse in the mouth. Yeah, let me fire, let me exactly. fire up Steam right now. All right, uh, indie dev Carmelo Electronics is releasing a new Game Boy Color game that will have a variety of gameplay styles, including platforming and shoot 'em up stages. Demo is available now by purchasing a digital copy of the soundtrack. Interesting. Yeah, I'll have to take a look at this. I. Game Boy Color is something that I didn't see. No, Game Boy, you saw SDGs, but Game Boy Color, there wasn't a lot of games that were specifically for that platform. Right. And I'm trying to think of, was it, wasn't there like a Space Invaders or something that was specific to the Game Boy Color? Something like that I'm think trying so. to think of. There was for Game Boy that had Super Game Boy. That's, that's the Super Game Boy, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's, that's what happens when, I have, when I'm have when i running low on coffee and I am old age, so. Yeah, I mean, the only, the only shooter for Game Boy Color that I can think of that was designed for the hardware rather than adapted for the hardware is uh, Project S11. 
because otherwise you've got stuff that was adapted for the hardware, such as R-Type DX, uh, 1942, there's uh, Swiv, um, and there's there's those Konami package releases that have colorized versions of some of their Game Boy stuff, which includes uh, Nemesis and Gradius Interstellar Assault, or there's Space Marauder, which is the Game Boy Color colorized version of Burai Fighter Deluxe. So, yeah, there's not a lot of, of full-on shmups or shmuppy content on the Game Boy Color. So, it's kind of cool to see that it's happening. Even if it's a hybrid game where it's kind of platforming and shopping. Anybody want to talk about Winamp? A <laughs> <laughs> uh, prototype Atari arcade game, Aka R, is getting a second life by way of a new game that reimagines the original concept from developer Jeff Minter. Uh, for those unfamiliar, Aka-R was kind of an interesting Atari arcade prototype. And according to the little video blurb that I saw on this re-release or this uh, new game, there were only three of those cabinets that ended up making it out from the prototype stage. Um... Our pal DJ PsychoM1 has seen one, and I think he even got a chance to play it. It's sort of an interesting... I guess you could call it a fixed-screen arena shooter, in so far as you, you control a turret or something that's in the center of the screen, and you're firing in multiple directions to ward off enemies. It sort of reminded me of like the gameplay. What's it, remember Tron when you're trying to uh, shoot the core in in the the last section of it in order to walk through? You have to shoot the barrier. It's almost like a, a reverse way of playing that little mini game there. Right. But being that it's going to be a Jeff Minter game, it's going to be a bit psychedelic and full and of llamas. Busy. There may be llamas involved. <laughs> You know, I'll take anything from Jeff Minter on there after his take on Tempest there. Mm, right. You know, even if it's just like Tempest 6000 <laughs> instead, I'll take it. Uh, YouTube channel Horrible Tales has footage up of a Japanese doujin shooter called Dead in Vitro, which is currently in the alpha stage. It looks Toho-inspired, but also appears to have some weapon inspiration from Ketsui. Yeah, this was another one that I found on one of the shmup discords, and kind of caught my eye. Graphically, I would not say it looks amazing, but of course it's in the alpha stage, so you never know how much things might improve. But... The, the Ketsui inspiration was part of what grabbed my attention because it has that sort of homing lock-on shot thing and then 
you, the character was collecting these point icons that were these little ten boxes with the number ten in it. But it looks like when you do, I don't know, some kind of big cancel or something like that, you get just an absolute flood of point values on the screen. So it looks like uh, a very score-focused game. Big juicy cancels. Something like that. Drainus has been confirmed for its official Switch launch on February 2nd, 2023. Yeah, Drainus is... I've seen... Mentioned several times. Interesting. It's you can buy a physical right now on strictly limited games. It'll be good to get an eShop release so we have a chance to check that out. The uh, what was the? Oh shoot! I'm losing my mind this far. Um, not. Oh, uh, speaking of stuff shipping and stuff here, I know it's not listed in our list, but I saw that uh, Soul Crest up. The physical seems to be finally shipping out for that, too. Oh, good. That's right. I got a notice about that. Yep. Yeah, I think that coincides with the uh, Japanese physical version shipping. Nice. So for those of you who didn't have a chance to pick up the one that says E for everyone will now be able to pick pick up the zero zero version. Uh, yep. Uh, Dojin shooter Cosmo Dreamer is getting a Japanese eShop release on Nintendo Switch December 15th. No word on the sequel Like Dreamer yet, or a Western eShop release for either of those games. But I'm hoping, since we've seen uh, you know other, uh, other Japanese titles come West, such as stuff from Terrarin Games and other developers that that this one will show up here as well. well. The nice thing about the Japanese eShop is, worst case, you can always create a fake uh, Japanese address and just buy it digitally that way. So it's not like it's completely barred. It's just not the easiest way to get to it. Right. It's not as convenient. And as we all know, the eShop is super convenient. <laughs> Right. Mobile Shooter Skies of Chaos is now available on Android and iOS, apparently through a Netflix Games Partnership. I have no idea what a Netflix Games Partnership what that is. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, I just saw this elsewhere and thought it merited inclusion. Uh, been following the Skies of Chaos Twitter account for a while uh, via the podcast account just to sort of see development of the game as it's gone along. But, um, yeah. Is Netflix trying to do something like with video games? Like, I guess so. Henry Caval for Smash. Say what? Henry Caval for Smash, you know. <laughs> toss a coin to your Witcher. <laughs> oh. Oh, Henry Cavill. Cavill's. I was, that was Caval. <laughs> oh, well. Henry Cavill for Smash. Either, either that or I, I want the host of um, 
nailed it for Smash. Huh. All right. <clears throat> Retrobit is doing a Western physical release for of Glaylancer for the Sega Genesis. And it's being distributed through LRG and SLG as well as their own site. I feel like we could probably throw in at least another acronym in there. <laughs> being distributed through LRG, SLG, and NGP. No, uh, it's good to see that Glaylancer is getting another release, but if at this point they do another release of Glaylancer, I, I think they've gone one, one Glaylancer too far. I mean, the, the city connection was uh, poorly handled, but it was... <clears throat> It seems funny to think of this as being, you know, early days. But uh, Glaylancer for the City Connection one was was marred by them underproducing and overselling for a while. And this would be a good chance for a lot of people to get this game on for a cheaper price because it really is a good game. But since it's already out on the Switch and it's coming out with a retro bit, and so we really don't need like a, a PS5 copy of Glaylancer at this point. Right. But this will be on Sega Genesis hardware, Sega Mega Drive. So it'll be a cartridge release. and uh, Well, so was the City Connection one. The problem with the City Connection was is they didn't use beveled edges on there. They didn't make it the way a quality release like they would on their later stuff. And this is, again, because City Connection at this time didn't have a lot of experience in this stuff. Their later oh. later releases are much better. You're talking about Columbus Circle. Oh shoot! Yeah, I, yeah. I, you're just gonna, I'm just going to like throw on in here, just a line from now on. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah, Columbus. No, it, was, it was Columbus Circle who did that release. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I, I, at this point, I think anybody who who has wanted to try out this game probably has, and I just don't see. After this, see a need for them to reprint it again for the Genesis. Yeah, right. I missed out on the uh, the previous release, so I'm kind of interested in this, and uh, so I'm kind of glad they're doing it because I know it was there, and then it kind of went away, and you couldn't get it. Um, and so, yeah, I'm happy about this, and maybe I'll replace my less than legitimate copy with with this one. <laughs> well, this one looks cool. It's it's a see-through red cartridge, and I don't know. I like the design, but uh, pre-orders appear to be ending December twenty-seventh. So definitely get that in soon. Yeah, and speaking of December twenty-seventh, on December twenty-fifth is when they're ending the uh, arcade classics, right? The Konami <coughs> release for the Switch and the PS4, and that one has was it Thundercross? It has Life Force, and what else on that? Yeah, uh, Gradius, Vulcan Venture, or Gradius 2, Thundercross, probably Life Force, or Salamander. It had Haunted Castle. Ajax. Ajax. Yeah. And a couple of others. Something tells me this will be coming to Best Buy, though. They've done it for the other two. I wouldn't be too surprised if this came over to Best Buy. That could be. Uh, speaking of Sega Genesis, there's also a... Uh, someone, I don't remember who it is that's trying to do it, but someone is trying to resurrect some Telenet properties. 
And so there's a crowdfunding campaign in Japan through some kind of Japan-only service trying to crowdfund a collection uh, that they're calling the Telenet Shooting Collection. And the idea is to include four Telenet shoot-em-ups. And so that would be Gyra's and Granada for the Genesis, as well as Avenger and Psychic Storm for the PC Engine. Now, we've already covered Gyrus. That's a good game. Uh, Granada is an interesting one. I mentioned either last episode or the episode before that I recently picked that one up physically. Avenger, from what I've seen, feels like it's a little average, but Psychic Storm is an interesting one. I've actually messed with that a fair bit through emulation, and that's kind of a neat little game. So, I'm hoping that this happens and we'll be able to get this, because it'll be good for those games to be preserved anyway, but finally having a Western release of of Psychic Storm will be cool. Hey, if it comes with a mullet, I'm in. Yeah, I love, <laughs> I love, I love Granada on the uh, on the Genesis. That's a that's a lot of fun. That's a great game. And I, I wonder if didn't Telenet didn't they do the Valus games, or am I thinking? Yeah, okay, yeah. they did. So maybe those got here. So maybe this will get here too. Right. Well, yeah, we got the the Valus collections that they've done. Right. So yeah, and then the reprinting by Retrobit of the Genesis games. Oh, yeah, they did right. that. Game. So, yeah, it would be nice if if this happened. Uh, yet another Pico shmup has been released, this time for a Japanese developer. It's called Dimension Soldier, and it looks heavily inspired by Star Soldier. Yeah, uh, except the video that I saw for the game kind of looked like Star Soldier but leaning in a Danmaku light kind of direction. Looks very hectic. Great. Star Soldier, was that the um, infamous Tahaki Mission game? Or Yeah. That's what I thought. Okay. 16 shots per second. <laughs> <laughs> There's a Dojin horizontal shooter in development called Erndrunt Star. Early footage on Twitter shows it to be a game with early 16-bit look and a Sega CD slash Turbo CD style soundtrack. Oh. Yeah, this looks promising. And the music that plays during the short video I saw on Twitter really gives me the Sega CD vibes. Um, you still don't have a Sega CD? What are you waiting for, Nintendo to make one? Uh, it reminded me of Soulface. Mm. Oh, very nice. Nice. <laughs> now all they need to do is have Tony Hawk do the video editing on the commercial and they're all set. <laughs> well, that was, actually, that was... Um, what's that... Uh, 
game day came out both on the on the PC Engine CD and the um, and the Sega CD, the one with the metal soundtrack. Lords uh, of Thunder. Oh, Lords of Thunder. Yeah, Lords of Thunder. The the commercial or the video or the promo video for that Lords of Thunder on the TurboGrafx 16 was done by the, all the editing and stuff and compiling was done by Tony Hawk. Yeah. What were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say that, uh, yeah, when, not, when, I re- when I read this, when I see this, um, yeah, uh, tur- Sega CD, Turbo CD sound- soundtrack, that makes me instantly think of Lords of Thunder. It must be as good as that. No, you know. Ah. Uh, so. Well, very little is as good <laughs> as that, but if we're in the ballpark, I'll be, uh, I'll be pleased. Uh, Bitwave Games has announced that the initial batch of Toolplan arcade ports coming to Steam are being pushed back to early 2023 to make sure that they're accurate and that they have the quality of life features they want to include. What's that old Miyamoto quote on there? A delayed game will eventually be good, but a rush game will always be bad. Something like that. I mean, this is this is one of those things where it, it makes me wonder if the games are being delayed so that they can be at least some level of parity with M2 releases. I don't think they'll hit that benchmark, but even if they're leaning in that direction. Maybe that's what they're looking for. Because I, I want to say Masahiro Yuge was uh, interested in the Steam versions having something akin to M2's Super Easy Mode. Um, and so, assuming they can get the emulation right, then they'll have to figure out how to how to add that kind of content to the games. And I don't know. M2 knows how to do it. I'd be curious to see how much of that we actually get from Bitwave. What's uh, what's Bitwave's track record? An excellent question, and I'm not really sure. Well, let's hope for the best. Yeah. I mean, I know they're working on a few other things besides the Twin Cobra and and other Toeplant games. But I don't think they've done a lot. Well, they're doing Truxton, Twin Cobra, Gimmick, or Gimmick Special Edition. Here, let's see here. What other stuff are they doing? Zero Wing, Outzone. Wonderling DX, whatever that is. Picto Party. Oh, Cow Dash. Japanese Dojin shooter Gray's Counter is getting an update sequel called Gray's Counter GM, coming to Steam, the Microsoft Store, and all current consoles. Slated for January 18th release on most platforms. Uh, January 29th for Switch. Yeah, and I haven't messed with Gray's Counter but it certainly looks cool. 
definitely has a a chunky pixel look to it. Very sort of 8 slash 16-bit early 90s arcade kind of look and feel, but with bullet grazing and some Don Maku elements. So that is your shmup news for December 2022. A lot going on. All right. Well, let's go ahead and move into some game discussion here. And let's shout out our participants for the month. As always, of course, we had myself and Addicted, as well as our guest Corkman. We also had Faux Macho, Louis G, Schlarp, Oops All Vibes, D Tungsten, Zoido, Geriatric Danmaku, Pony Trigon, and Mighty Squirrel. Pretty good crowd. Uh, Addicted, would you like to regale us with some information about the game? In the year 1989, no. All right. Um, <laughs> developed by Toplan and published by, in Japan by Toplan November 2nd, 1989. Late 1989 in Europe and in March 1990 in North America by Romstar. And it came from publisher Doyan. It's designed by Sane Nito and Yuko Takada. Tak- sorry. Tataka. Art by Shintara Nakaoya and music by Masashiro Yuge. It is the second in the Shark series of games. It is the sequel to Hishuzame, aka Flying Shark or Sky Shark. The game sees the player piloting a special biplane to take on the enemy forces using futuristic weaponry. Yeah, some of it's stolen from Truxton, but we won't tell them. <laughs> Game Magazine in their January 1st, 1990 issue rated Same 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 or Shark 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 as the fifth most popular table arcade game at the time. The initial version had checkpoints after death and the two-player release removed checkpoints and limited horizontal scrolling of the play field. Later, Fireshark Western releases... Change things up some more, adding more enemies, but decreasing the bolt speed and offering more power-ups to the players. <laughs> yeah, the, we're real quick in, into this. The initial release of Fire Shark, or Same Same Same, <coughs> was brutally difficult, and uh, bullet speeds that, well, as uh, we would reach in Spaceballs, uh, ludicrous speeds. And, and it was had been called by uh, some in the shmup community as uh, sniper take factories that would just take aim at the player and shoot them down upon sight. It was a a very, very, very hard game. In fact, I only know of one person who can no-miss the game. And if you take a look at the STG Weekly for Fireshark, you'll see I'm watching the replay. and And even... No, very skilled players like Aquas can't 
uh, <clears throat> no miss the game in the initial version. So we <laughs> thankfully they when they brought it stateside, they made it two player and they got rid of a lot of having to completely memorize the enemy placements and how you're going to be de dealing damage with this game. You know, they also mentioned got rid of the checkpoints in the second player version of the game. And it's no longer where it scrolls a little bit to the left and a little bit to the right in order to see everything. I think the qu the easiest way of explaining having to scroll to the left and scroll a little bit to the right is anyone who's ever played a vertically scrolling STG on the Sega Saturn, where it sort of cuts off. Uh, Greg is famous for that, where you can move up and down because it doesn't have full the full screen size. I know that uh, Strikers 1945 allows you to do that. It, it's just very peculiar. I mean, it was necessary at the time, but these days, thankfully, we have displays that can be easily tautated. You know, it doesn't require six people to uh, lift a CRT on its end anymore. Right. And I think the elimination of the horizontal scrolling made sense for a two-player because then you don't have one player constantly trying to move the screen over one direction or another. Yep. Yeah, and that and that scrolling to the left or right, a lot of times that gets you in trouble. You know, a lot of times you find a turret it just shoots you down. Yep. It's uh, like the Wizard of Oz. Don't go peeking behind the curtain. Pay no attention. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think, and so, <clears throat> Fire Shark or Sami 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 really is, in some ways, an answer to the first game of uh, Flying Shark because you. Wait, did I say, yeah, fly, Flying Shark because. You, in Flying Shark, it, they found it difficult for the player when they're starting out. So Fire Shark allows, he immediately gives you a power-up in the form of a spread shot, which, you know, in my opinion, <laughs> is the best weapon in the game for its coverage and its ability to point deal a large amount of damage by point-blanking enemies. And the other thing that came out of it was the difficulty was maybe a little too finely tuned balanced in Flying Shark. A lot of the arcade operators were not happy at how much playtime people were getting for their money. So they wanted a way to make things quicker. And so there was pushback from the arcade operators that made the first version of Same 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 or Fire Shark uh, a little bit too much one-sided one towards the arcade operators. This thing will steal your lunch money and th then steal your down payment on your mortgage and still ask for more. Exactly. <clears throat> so, Toplan developed the Sega Mega Drive port internally, which was initially released in North America in 1990 by DreamWorks. No, not, not that company who uh, made Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> was a U.S. division of Toy Soldiers Incorporated. <laughs> and then... Japan in November 2nd by Toplan themselves. Sega handled the European release in December 1991. A Sharp X68000 version was planned and in development to be published by Kenneco, but never materialized. 
The Sega Genesis Mega Drive version was official licensed and reprinted in 2021 by Retrobit, both as a standalone release and as part of the Tolpen Shooters Collection box set, featuring reprints of Truxton, Hellfire, as well as the first North American physical release of Zeroing. <laughs> and sort of funny enough, I think that Sky Shark is still available on Retrobit's website. I think if you go to their website, it's like the one thing that you can still order out of that whole collection. Huh. And the game was also featured in Hoshido Zame Same Same Collection from M2 STG original Japanese arcade release the two player Japanese variant the western two player release and the Mega Drive and Genesis console releases as DLC which were free with a physical version <coughs> Yeah, it's like 30 bucks if you want just the arcade versions, and then 70 if you want the arcade ver- versions plus the console releases. Yeah, and the thing I found interesting about this is I've got the PS4 release, and that came with the download card that enabled me to get the Genesis and Mega Drive versions. But I had to download them and use that DLC code... And so I had to create a Japanese PSN account in order to accomplish that. I've been told that the console ports are actually just on the game card on the Switch version. So I'm not sure why that's different. I can, con- yeah, I can confirm that. I have the Switch version of this, and uh, yeah, everything's on. No, no downloading anything. Huh. I wonder why they did it that way. Somebody messed up and they decided just to run with it. <laughs> Here you go. Here's a card. <laughs> it's like, what do we do? We reprinted so many of these. Yeah, just throw in a download card. <laughs> yeah, it just seems odd that for a storage medium like the uh, Blu-ray disc that you would have more than enough space to work with, why wouldn't they just put those on there? I don't know. It's weird. Maybe they were too busy trying to insert hidden copies of the first South Park episode. <laughs> Do you remember that at all? <laughs> there are people who got fired at EA back in like 99, 2000 <clears throat> because they hid the first South Park episode into Tiger Woods. Oh, that's oh, right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Respect my authority, indeed. All right. <coughs> Sami 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 was also included in the Sega Astro City Mini V arcade console released in 2022. I haven't a chance to play that. Is that the original release, or is that a two-player? Or uh, I think it's just the original release, because the Mini V only has, you know, the one built-in stick. I wonder, is it, but can't you connect something up via USB? Could you imagine Maybe trying you to? Can. <laughs> yeah, something like <laughs> trying to dual dual ship it in um, in Ikaruga, right? You're just trying to play dual both players at once in some way, some way, some way. That would be pretty bananas. <laughs> that w- I will. All right. 
Since since we have uh, Ed of Studio Mup Prince, he likes to do just crazy stuff. That should be his next stunt for Shmup Slam. <laughs> and he's got to play on that little screen. Too. <laughs> right. Those bullets that are coming really hot. <laughs> be able to dodge those on a tiny screen. Wow. With all the input delay. That's okay. I'll run on the Game Boy Light with some double A's. <laughs> all right. Well, the gameplay is uh, pretty straightforward. It's a two-button game. You got one button to fire your main weapon, one button to bomb. There are three weapon types, which uh, are the blue weapon. That's your default, and it's a three-way spread shot. And when you get to level two, it becomes a five-way spread. At level three, it's a nine-way spread. And then at level four, it becomes this huge spread that covers about a 30-degree area. And it's it's pretty effective. Yeah, there's a couple problems with this, all right? (laughs) Yes, it's a weapon, especially in the arcade release, that you want to keep with and keep running with. (laughs) And if you point blanket, it can take out mid-sized enemies pretty quickly and do a lot of damage. But you can only have a certain amount of bullets on the screen. And the spacing of this can lead into problems where if you're firing all the time or just holding the button down, enemies will go through this the space on there, especially if it's not fully powered up, and you will die because you think you're hitting something and it it's not there. Right. And that's obviously <coughs> considerations you have to make with the game when you're routing it. Yeah, but I will say that I think we touched on this a little bit. Is that the the, the default blue weapon, the three way spread? It's got yeah, it's got big gaps in the middle, uh, but uh, you know it's pretty effective at like picking off like turrets or tanks that kind of come in the sides, um, and then be able to have some firepower down the middle. So um, it's 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 kind of nice that they did that. And and if you ever need to like recover. Um, it's not the worst weapon you've ever had in an STG uh, to, to try to recover from. Using you know, um. Right. Oh, it's not like a lot of other early games where you just have forward fire and that's it. Oh, it's certainly yeah. improvement, but it is, I'm just, my point is it's just not it's not perfect. And you got to be careful right. with it. Right. it. It's certainly the only weapon in the game, at least in the arcade version. That allows you to handle almost any type of given situation. The other two weapons, while nice and useful in certain situations, just <laughs> don't. I mean, well, the power-up situation in the, in the game is a little bit sporadic, right? You don't really know for certain unless you memorize the game when you're going to get your next power-up. So you can't just sort of gauge like you do in Raiden, <laughs> like, hey, I, I've got the the purple toothpaste laser. <laughs> I want to switch over to. The red Vulcan shot. You you just don't have that flexibility. So for the most part, you're going to be playing with a blue default to give yourself enough coverage. Right, right, right. I, that's what I find myself doing most of the time is just using, just using the blue weapon, just powering that up and dodging all the other weapons. Yep. 
Uh, well, speaking of the other weapons, we have the red, which is a flamethrower. That starts out as a single column of flame on level 1. Level 2 gives you a second column of flame that shoots from the front of the plane. Level 3, it adds two side flames that sort of sweep back and forth. And then when you get to level 4, you get two more side flames, and it covers a larger area and specifically helps to kind of take out threats that are sort of behind you. This is a Truxton weapon, right? This is a weapon that was made as an homage to the blue laser in Truxton. But the biggest problem with this thing is if you have auto fire turned on, it just turns out into this little bitty spurt, right? And they fix this for the M2 port. <laughs> so if you have auto fire on, you could properly charge it and then re- release its full power. Right, yeah, the M2 port and really the home console release is that they have essentially an option that if you have auto fire turned on, when you get the red weapon, it temporarily turns off auto fire so that you can hold the button down and shoot it the way that it was intended. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, I know the, yeah, definitely the, the Mega Drive port does that. Um, and the thing I, sometimes, sometimes I think this, this can be kind of effective um, if you don't, if you haven't memorized, like in the later levels, where the enemies come behind you, you know, and you come to kind of position yourself, kind of, uh, you know, maybe maybe a third of the way up on the screen, you can kind of take out those planes that come behind you, um, you know, using the red weapon. Um, you know, if you don't know that they're coming at this particular point, you haven't routed it, you know perfectly um that you can kind of you can kind of take them out um so there's there's some i think there's some merit especially you have to be at least you have to be you have to be at full power though um i think at i think at the maybe level three it goes behind you some as well that can be kind of effective but um yeah just use it at level level three or level four Yeah, level 3, it starts to become useful. Level 4 is when it shines. You know what? Uh, One of the first times I played this, you know, played this game and got like the level 3 fire weapon. And I was just, I felt, you just just felt like, you felt invincible, you know, in a way. Um, You know, uh, you weren't. (laughs) You'll get sniped, but uh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you, you definitely do, and it it really scratches that power fantasy itch in terms of playing a shooter with what appear to be overpowered weapons. Yeah, you definitely get that real sense of like, wow, this I can just sit here, you know, at least on the at least on the Genesis version, um, I can just kind of sit here, you know, a third of the way up in the screen in the middle and just hold fire. And nothing's going to get me. Um, yep. Until you get to, like, level 7 or 8. <laughs> yep. And then we have the green weapon, which is a strong forward-firing shot that 
widens after each power-up level. Um, now on the console version, they widen even more. Uh, but this is sort of a, a green laser weapon. Uh, the power-ups and pickups that you can get, of course, you've got the P icons that will help you power up your biplane. You need three of the P icons to move up one level. Uh, so it'll take nine of the power-up icons to get to max level. And one cool feature of the game is that once you're at max level, you can stock three additional power-ups and fill up the bar at the top. Um, and that way, when you die, those power-up items that you have in stock will be cashed in and so you'll immediately move from level one to level two fire. Right, and that's really nice for trying to trying to recover in this game. Um, it gives you an incentive to keep picking up those P icons as you move along. And the other thing is nice too is that if you get kind of checkpointed, you get a tough checkpoint, um, you know, later in the level later in the game you probably have a nice stockpile of lives. And so, you know, if you if you die twice then usually you've gotten usually you'll get to a point where you can get at least one power up for each life. And uh yeah, and then you can get that uh and then you can get that level two spread weapon and you're kinda on the it helps on the road of road to recovery there. For sure. Um, one thing I noticed when I was watching the SCG Weekly playthrough is once once the player was at max, uh, they didn't collect any more power-ups. So I wonder if, at least in the arcade original, that may be a rank thing where they didn't collect any more of the P icons, potentially because it would involve the rank somehow. I'm not 100% sure. Hmm, that's interesting. Um, oh, and one other thing to note is when you're collecting the P icons to power up your ship, the first two will always be blue, and then the third one will be red, signaling that once you pick it up, you'll be ready to move up to the next level. Uh, the S icon will speed up your plane, of course, and max speed is level 3. Bomb icons will add one bomber to your stock. In the arcade version, you can carry a maximum of 10, and I thought I read somewhere that 7 was the max in the console version, but it seems like maybe you continue to stack them for a little bit, because when I was playing the console version, it seemed like you could stack them higher than that. Yeah, I believe I believe so. I want to say that I've had a stockpile of eight or nine or something at one point. Yeah, because you actually see that at the end of the end of a stage if you manage to get there without dying. Yeah, I think you only see you only see that you have like five of them, but you can actually have you actually have you know a lot more than that. Right. You have the color pickups, which of course 
match your weapon types and which one spawns will depend on what weapon you have already. Uh, so it'll vary depending on which weapon you currently have equipped. Uh, there are situations where you can spawn a 1-up and even one situation, I think in stage 5, that you can spawn a 2-up. And then of course the lightning bolts, which are strictly for points. Yeah, and there's like a whole like table of what color pickup you're going to get, or if you're going to get the 1-up or 2-up, and one thing about that about the uh, M2 port is that one of the most useful little gadgets the M2 port has is that ability to see what the next power-up is so you can just kind of let that blimp go by rather than sit there and try to dodge the weapon for for 10 seconds or so right yeah the the typical sequence in the original is I think power speed power, then green, then red, then power, and it kind of goes from there. I, I don't know what the sequence is beyond that. There's these um, submarines in stages 9 or 10, right? And those always seem to give one-ups, right? Or bombs. Bombs. I'm sorry, bombs, not one-ups. Right. Yep. Bombs, yeah. Uh, somebody set me up the bomb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then there are, and then there are those goofy, I don't know, plane hybrid things in uh, a couple of stages that will always give off the weapon change power ups. And if you get there with the blue, you'll get flooded with green power ups. And if you can manage it, the best way to deal with that is to collect them so that then you can make sure that the, the next of those ships will spawn another color. Hopefully spawn a red and then hopefully then another blue. So if you want to stay with the spread shot, you can go back to that. Yeah, yeah, you can... Uh... Usually I was like, you know, I think stage three, like, yeah, they get like three or four of those green ones just kind of floating around. Just pick up one and then get three or four of the red ones floating around, pick those all up, and then and then you'll get back to the blue weapon eventually. Yep. That's the way to do it. Um, now, most power-ups you'll make available by shooting down large blimps. But of course, we talked about other enemies. There's the the ships we just talked about. There are some boats that you can shoot down uh, that will put out a power-up icon of some kind. And then for the lightning bolts, usually those are either red-shaded enemies or red boxes on the ground. Uh, the game plays over uh, 10 stages and then loops. And it does have a rank system of sorts uh, where longer periods of staying alive and collecting power-ups will rank up enemies and bullet speeds. 
and then after you die, things will slow down a little bit and give you a chance to recover more easily. And then you get your first extend at 70,000 points, and then every 200,000 points after that. So it's a little odd getting an extend at 70k, and then again at 270k, and then again at 470k, and so on. Yep, if you know miss the uh, no miss the first level and not use all of your bombs, then you'll probably get an extra life. Right. Yep. Hopefully, you'll have enough bonus to to get you there. So, is there anything else basic that we need to add to the the gameplay? Any other elements I'm forgetting? No, I don't. I'm sure. I, I'm sure stuff will come up, but no, I think we. All right. Well, what about the graphics? How do we feel about those? Erdy. <laughs> no, and the graphics are overall very well done. <clears throat> For a game that came out in 1989, <clears throat> I think it <clears throat> shows that they had a good mastery over everything that's distinguishable. I mean, even when you're hit by sniper takes and the bullets fly through he may stop and go, what the heck was that? But it wasn't because you couldn't see it with the graphics. It's just because the bullets were going so fast. <clears throat> I like the graphics. I think they're very colorful. I mean, it's maybe some people might say it's a minor improvement over Sky Shark. <clears throat> but the I really like, especially the arcade colors. The console ports are a little bit darker by comparison, but... They overall are pretty well done. I mean, it, it does have a little bit of that pillar box effect that you see with, uh, and I don't believe we covered this just yet, so I'll backtrack just a little bit. <laughs> but r- ride and trod, <laughs> you know, with the, the, the Genesis port where the aspect ratio is nice, but everything else just seems really messed up. <laughs> it, it, it seems that everything was well done and really good uh, the animation and you've got the guys doing the um, their little dances and movements that are on the little animation of the guys as you land the flamethrower effect is definitely a, a Truxton inspired event and looks really good it's you can see how a lot of the elements of this game would go on to inspire Raiden and I think that we'll talk about this as we go in the sound part. Raiden uses the same OPL1 sound chip for its sounds that uh, Fireshark does. Uh, sorry, Summit. Yes, Fireshark or Summit, Summit, Summit. He uses. I mean, it's amazing to think how, how much we gush over gallantry in the soundtrack within Raiden, but it all started here with Fireshark. Yeah, and uh, well, uh, the 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 sound. I mean, all of the tracks in the game are excellent. I think, um, and one of the reasons why I always come back to this game is just the the uh, the music in the game is is uh, fantastic. <laughs> um, 
And I, you touched on the animations. Um, the uh, I love the. I each stage has like something kind of going on uh, when you kind of finish the stage or where you're starting up the stage. Um, like in the first stage, all the, like the little troops they form an arrow. Uh, the in the uh, third, the second stage. The second stage is where like. Uh, which is probably the best one, where the uh, where the plane is trying to like, you have like a like you're thinking, oh man, maybe I'm gonna have a second plane that's gonna come with me, and then he just kind of like crashes right into the building in front of it, kind of like, kind of like those old black and white uh, uh, scenes that you've seen of like planes crashing into the side of barns and stuff. Uh, it's <laughs> it's great. <laughs> um, the stage three has a little like you can see in the in the water there are little sharks swimming around. Um, there's lots of lots of little fun touches in there uh, in this game. And what STG doesn't come with its own theme song, right? Go go fire shark go go. I know there's a little bit more to that. <laughs> Uh, and and yeah, the uh, I think that you know having played uh, more of the uh, you know since I got since we got the M2 port, playing more of the arcade uh, version, um, those graphics look uh, much more you know much more impressive well, impress more impressive than the uh, than the than the, uh, the, the the Mega Drive port. So yeah, the Mega Drives are a little kind of kind of dulled colors and stuff um so i've been really appreciating the uh the, the arcade version of that yeah i definitely think the graphics on the arcade version have have the edge um but i do think the genesis version despite its limitations is a fairly good approximation yes i'd i agree with that yeah uh, I'm with you on the sound, though. The soundtrack is one of the things that has kept me coming back to this game a lot over the years. And I don't know what it is about Masahiro Yuge's tracks, but the guy just knows how to write a catchy track. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, all of all of, all of the Toa Plan games have have great music. Um, well, maybe maybe not Target or Heli. No, that was pretty fun too. Now I think about it. Um, <laughs> oh, was there like one track in that game? But uh, it was still good. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, this is it's just really solid. Yeah, it's it kind of it, you know it, this and um, uh, twin twin Cobra. Um, uh, and Truxton and Tatsujin and um, they all kind of have this was they all seem to have a you know just this great sounding track soundtrack they they sound kind of similar I'll throw I'll throw Zero Wing in there too that's a great soundtrack as well um, yeah they all they're all kind of from the same era and they all kind of have these just Soundtracks that sound kind of similar, but are all kind of unique and amazing in their own way. Agreed. 
Yeah, and definitely some banners in there. Or as uh, DJ Psycho would say, hot jams. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about scoring, something that I know nothing about here. <laughs> you want to, who wants to take over scoring here? <laughs> well, you have the scoring in the game. Um basically have your of course you're you know shooting down enemies it's giving you it's giving you points um and you know as we talked about before there's like these lightning bolts that you can discover by shooting certain usually in red boxes um and um as you collect those and you don't die um at the end of the stage uh it will multiply your bombs by the number of lightning icons you've picked up um and i think yeah all the, all of those light the the point value of those lightning bolts that changes for each stage it key i think it continually gets higher and higher i believe if i remember correctly um and also, the other thing is you have uh, the, the the power up icons. If you if you have the blue weapon and you another blue weapon spawns, that'll give you five thousand points. Um, and that's pretty much. Am I forgetting anything about the general scoring? Um, the game does have uh, tick points, so I mean. If you're shooting enemies that um, that require more than one or two hits, right. you're getting tick points for making contact with those enemies, but uh, ultimately you're you're you don't have a lot of flexibility there. Yep, yep, and oh, and uh, I guess you you get. Uh one million points for completing a loop of the game. So it's a, and that's a pretty, that's a pretty big bonus at the, uh, at the end for, um, completing a loop. And so the scoring is pretty simple. Um, the thing you want to do to get, you know, to get a good score in this game, uh, is try to shoot everything you can. Um, and don't use bombs, um, is kind of the general advice there. Um, if you don't use those bombs, you can't, you know, you'll, you'll have a higher multiplier at the end of each stage. Yep. Yep. You can, if you get high enough with enough bombs, you can get two extends or two lives after each stage clear. Yes. Yeah. Once you get past the first few stages, you can. Uh, there aren't enough bombs or lightning bolts in the early stages to accomplish that. But yeah, I think once you get past stage four or five, there's a possibility of that. All right. Well, now that we've uh, now that we've had some discussion about the game, let's hear from the community. Uh, so first up, we had Fomacho who says, I'm in. I've done a full loop of the PS4 release and got the trophies already. 
The original arcade version is quite brutal. I can't even say it's difficult, they just made it to kill you, and often. I got one hot run where I got to stage 3 and made 240,000 points, and I feel that's going to be tough for me to top. I've started trying the US arcade version, which has more generous item drops and less power drain, but runs can still fall apart quickly. The Genesis Easy Mode is quite a cakewalk until stage 7, so I've been practicing those last few stages, but deaths are almost as hard to recover from as in the arcade releases. And then later on, uh, Fomacho posted, I was so wrong about the manipulation of item drops. Really, there's nothing there. It's not even really a table, just a sequential list. Starts with power, speed, power, greed, and so on, and restarts when you die. If you don't destroy a blimp, the list still moves on. If your power or speed is maxed out, you'll get a blue or green weapon drop instead. And other versions have different item drop orders. And then he, uh, he included a picture uh, that said, here's the gadget telling me my power item will be replaced by a weapon item. And then also see the 1-up chance below. First comes into play in Stage 3. The Odakebi is a beefy plane to take down. And there are four or five of them in a sequence. Yeah, there's some kind of trick where with that sequence of planes in Stage 3 that hand out all those power change icons, if you position yourself appropriately on screen and take out that plane fast enough, it can spawn a 1-up instead of just a weapon change type. Yeah, I don't I don't really have exactly an idea of how that happens, but um, I have that I've had that ha kind of happen randomly every once in a while. Yeah, my understanding is that the M2 port has some guidance in it with the gadgets and things to sort of help you to discover where those spots are on the screen. Um, so for someone who really wants to optimize it, that's probably one way to uh, to try and you know figure that out. Fomacho uh, also said, I went through the exercise of getting the Platinum Trophy for the PS4 Fireshark release, which is to say I save-stated through the arcade version, and boy are my thumbs tired. <laughs> In the super easy mode on arcade, there's a huge end-of-game bonus for every life remaining. Yes, there is. That's right. That's, a, that's another good point, yep. Um, and then... Uh, after posting a score, a uh, high score on the Genesis version, I took my first hit in stage 8. Lost about 6 or 9 lives that stage. You really only get one good shot at the boss every 3 lives when you get the full power up. Dropped a couple lives in 9 and 10, but nothing terrible. Finished the last boss with 2,891,460. Bonuses brought it to just under 4 million, and we'll cover that in a minute. And made it to stage 13 boss with 
4,223,080 points. Hmm. Yeah, that's something that we didn't really touch on with the super easy mode, but that's kind of a staple of all the M2 STG releases. And the super easy mode in this game is actually pretty fun. Um, the bullet speeds are still insane, but you have an auto bomb, and the game dishes out a lot of additional bombs that you wouldn't normally get, uh, but they're plentiful in super easy mode. And so it actually makes it kind of a fun run, and there's a lot of potential, potential for scoring in that mode. And so if you get good enough where you can no-miss some levels and really get those uh, that bonus racked up based on the number of bombs multiplying out the the uh, other uh, lightning bolt bonus, then you can really go crazy with the score. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the super easy mode is pretty fun. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's it's not easy. Uh, I mean, it's it's easy because of the auto bomb, and then they hand out the bombs like candy. Um, but uh, it's kind of fun in that uh, it's it could be like a good training mode, you know, to like deal with the you know to figure out your routing and uh, deal with the bullet speed. Um, and what also is kind of fun is that one of the gadgets on the M2 port is your rank. Um, it's like a it's like a like an, like an old school speedometer style on the uh, dial on the uh, on the kind of the upper left of the screen, and you can watch uh, you know if you have like nine bombs and then you get hit and hit and hit, um, you'll watch you'll watch your you can just watch your rank just just crash. Um, <laughs> so it'll it you'll start out you'll start out kind of kind of low low rank and then as you acquire all these bombs. Uh, it jacks up the uh, the rank pretty high, and then as you getting as you get hit and you know you start losing your bomb, you'll see that rank drop. Um, and also, if you well, actually after you use a bomb, it drops very shortly, and then it picks back up again. The rank is going crazy in that mode um, as you you know as you pick up bombs and you get hit with you know you get hit and it's 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 pretty interesting. <laughs> Yeah, but I do I do think the rank maxes out at some point in Super Easy, though. It does, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can only go... I think there's a meter. It goes from, like... I think it only goes above... I don't, I think, I don't think I ever got it above 60 out of 100 or something like that. Ah. Uh, oh. Yeah, that would make sense. But 60 is still really fast. Really right. fast. Really slow speeds. Yeah. Alright. Our next comment comes to us from Zoidal. This was a really good reason to finally remove the shrink wrap out of my Hiso Same collection. I played some runs on the Mega Drive version and made it over to stage 8 on easy mode. My best on normal was stage 3 until now. I guess I can do better. I remember I made it to stage 7 or 8 on normal a few years ago, but I'm not sure if I can grind this out for another month. I almost forgot how brutal this game could be, even on easy. Once you're powered up, it's got a nice flow, but as soon as you're hit, oh boy. 
<clears throat> I also tried a few runs on the arcade version and had some serious trouble to even beat the default high score. Green power-ups are my worst enemy. <laughs> <laughs> I came close with my run on Sunday on the Mega Drive US Easy version, but something hit me in stage 9. I don't know if it's a sniper bullet from off the plane coming from the bottom of the screen or what, but I spent almost all of my lives <clears throat> leaning... Learning the falling checkpoint side in stage 10 massively underpowered and was wrecked immediately. Also played a run on normal that day. I guess the arcade version is too frustrating for me to keep me motivated. I definitely prefer the Mega Drive version of the game. To me, the game is a lot of fun as long as I'm in the flow and got my weapons upgraded. But a wrong power-up at a wrong time, sniper bullets or crashing planes that run into can kill the mood very quickly. The soundtrack is absolutely iconic, and the main reason I keep coming back to the game. Maybe someday I can bring out the patience and clear the first loop on easy, which should be doable for me. Yeah, I definitely keep trying at it. It's not an easy game by any stretch of imagination, and yeah, those green power-ups are definitely pretty troublesome on there. I found I had a harder time avoiding those than the enemies playing the Genesis <laughs> version. So, uh, keep at it here, but if you're finding that it's turning you a little bit more towards Gradius 3 Arcade, it's okay to tr to drop it and try something with uh, that doesn't require as much thinking, like a Super Adventure Wagon. <laughs> okay, Louis G says, okay, super easy is too easy. The auto bomb is overpowered. Uh, later post. The arcade version is impossibly brutal. This must be the hardest shmup when I was using Google, when I was using Google Translate on custom mode. Uh, yeah, that's because the uh, M2 port is only the, the custom options are only written in Japanese. Um, lots of cool options. Uh, the North American one is pretty reasonable because it doesn't do checkpoints, but it also doesn't have the cool uh, plane crashing thing. That's true. Good point. Uh, the gadgets show what power-ups are coming, but it's hard to glance at while you're sweating bullets. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Very true. Uh, Pony Trigon jumped in and said, First thought, the fully upgraded fire weapon sound. <laughs> fully upgraded fire weapon in general. Absolutely beautiful. Bit glitchy in the Genesis version for obvious reasons, but it still does what it do. Annihilate everything. Also, I love how this is called an uber weapon. And then later on in the Discord, uh, Pony Tetrachin said, Stage 3 is some serious 1943 vibes. Also, I didn't not expect to get this I did not expect to get this far. Stage 4, Genesis on easy. Wow. All that Varth paid off. Is it just me, or does this boss in Stage 2 look like the Toa Plan logo? Uh, especially after it goes boom. Looks like a mirrored Toa Plan logo. We had some discussion of that. So, uh, stage 3 is 1943 as heck. Stage 4 is right in as heck. Uh, I swear, green power-up is a death sentence. Died to a boss trying to avoid this dang thing. 
I think my favorite thing about Fire Shark is all the little details you'd miss if you were playing on normal or higher. I noticed a little soldier dude in stage 6 stuck in the sand. Also, your plane catching fire when you get hit. Interesting death there. I can definitely see where Raiden gets its influence, because stage 6 feels so Raiden it hurts. A lot. As in, I either dodge precisely, or I get shut down a lot. And then again later, managed to get to stage 3 in one life, and somehow managed to not die in stage 4. Right now, I'm trying not to panic bomb. I tend to panic bomb a lot in this game, especially with certain bosses. And then final thoughts uh, at the end of the month. Fun, but brutal. Definitely see where Raiden took inspiration. Our next comment comes to us from Schlarp. Every time Stage 3 starts, I have to laugh. In the beginning of Stage 3, when your plane lifts, there's another little one that crashes against the wall. I completed the U.S., Japanese, and EU Mega Drive Genesis versions and set the region accordingly in the Mister, and I believe they're all the same, but the EU version is not adjusted for 50 hertz. It's just running slower. Oh, I hate it when they do that. The planes coming from the bottom left of this left and right in stage four are really ugly. When I'm positioned in those situations, it's imminent death for me. I like games where memorization is necessary, but enemies coming in fast and behind without warning feel unfair to me. Arcade game design, I still love it nonetheless. Well, thank you for joining in, and I realize it can be uh, this game can be quite frustrating, but uh, it's still pretty impressive if you chance to play the U.S., Japanese, and European Mega Drive or Genesis versions. Yep. Uh, let's see. Next comment comes from Orc Commander. Uh, de-rusted a little bit over the last few days. First death on the last section of Stage 4, thanks to a system notification. Blech. Uh, it's possible to hobble from one checkpoint to checkpoint even in this original 1P version uh, with low power. Uh, rank is tied to power level noticeably here. As long as you don't get uh, get red before a boss, it, but it'll probably uh, need to study up some more if I want to get patch stage 7 and its nasty airplane spawns from behind. Yeah, that's... Stage seven is the one where that starts happening, and that's where you start to have to. That's where you have to memorize stuff. Um, yep. Responding to Pony Trigon uh, regarding rank is more lenient, if I recall correctly. Uh, rank will still increase when you get additional power, but not when not as much versus arcade and bullet speed, and doesn't get anywhere as fast. Um, not only does red increase bullet speed, but has poor Zaku coverage. Um, but upgrading red past level 2 does less damage. Hmm, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Um, due to HP scaling and only two flame lasers can hit those, uh, the, the boss at a time. Um, I think it even does less damage in the western arcade variants. Um, later post, 
either waste some lives uh, to learn the five uh, the boss five six checkpoint recovery on the fly, having a separate ten hertz button and thirty hertz for bosses. Seems to be making a decent di uh, difference on power recovery, but the road to victory seems far away. Uh, later post. Uh, it takes a very long time, three or four stages, to get back to full power. So you end up hob hobbling from uh, one checkpoint to checkpoint. Uh, the only place that might be an exception is stage eight, due to its pa uh, plentiful bomb drops and five power-ups from the large boats. But it's not free in this version due to the numerous turret, boat, uh, turret boats in that section. But the Genesis version is more recoverable there if you do take a hit. Uh, final thoughts. Same 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 is a prime example of a very intricate checkpoint design that is a big step up from its earlier titles and serves as an interesting example of how game developers tried to solve the problem of balancing game, the game between casual players and hardcore players while maintaining a steady income for arcade operators uh, uh, yeah, maintaining a steady income for uh, arcade operators, uh, alongside uh, other examples of Tatsujin O, Raiden 2, uh, R Type 2, etc., from around the same era. Most devs eventually shifted to the other option of adding secondary mechanics to entice score players by the mid 1990s onward. Yes, thank you for your thoughts, War Commander. I know you had a lot of you had a lot of input in the in the Discord chat, so uh, and a lot of good tips. And uh, I know we'll get to the score later. Yeah, and Orc Commander actually managed to, even though it wasn't within the month, uh, shortly after the month, managed to get a clear of the original one-player arcade version, which that's really is impressive. quite a feat. Amazing job. Yeah. So, major kudos for sticking with it and persevering through to that kind of, of clear. Uh, Mighty Squirrel said, Now that I'm playing for score, I just died on one form without using a single bomb. Seriously considering resetting because of the bonus I lost. So yes, the bonus is everything. Especially since you can get 250,000 plus off of one bonus. Yeah, that was something that they mentioned in the SDG Weekly episode as well, where you really, you really don't want to bomb unless you absolutely have to. Because since your bomb effectively becomes your multiplier for your end stage bonus, uh, the more you have in stock, the the better your bonus is going to be. And again, you can sometimes net one to two extends per stage that way. Our last comment comes to us from a man who, well, every time I read this, I feel like I'm talking about my future here. Geriatric Don Mako... Good evening, gamers. I'm finally on board for the 2022 November Shmup Club. After a few hours of Fireshark on the Genesis, we have... <clears throat> 
233,000 in 10 points. Looking to iron out some kinks over the next day and to, to take on Same Same Same, one player Japanese to compete on scores with Orc Commander. Playing both on MAME 232. Just completed a new personal best. At my level, this stuff counts as a huge personal victory. But early stage 7, the green plane flight patterns with no power-ups. I went into this with 6 lives and could not crack the path to success. Might have to do a stave state here if I can get back to it. Scores, 749,020. Stage 7 on Genesis Easy. Hey, there's something I forgot about Fireshark and Meme. A Trap 15 hack version. Does anybody know about this? I certainly don't. Do you? I did after he mentioned it, yeah. So what's different about it? Um, quite a bit. Yeah, I gave it, I gave it a try, too. Um, you... For every power-up, you don't have to collect three power-ups to power-up, so every time you collect one power-up, you automatically power-up your level. So that's a nice... That's one of my favorite parts about <laughs> it. Um, is there no speed pickups? Uh, yeah, I believe the speed pickups are gone, and it just uses a, a faster, constant speed. But I feel like the bullet speeds are just as fast, and really it's almost as brutal as the arcade version. Um, yeah. But of course, with being able to power up your ship much more quickly, you at least have a little bit more of a fighting chance in terms of recovery. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's nicer to recover in, but yeah, it it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't pull any punches for the bullet speed. Which sounds like it's worth checking out. Yeah. All right. Well, about an hour into Same 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 for the Japanese one-player version, it's harsh. Feeling it like it stole my lunch money. Players start slow. Bullets start fast. The U.S. Defense Department could use. 12 plans expertise in precisely targeting enemies. <laughs> After about an hour of Same Same Same, Trap 15 hack, you can say it rules. If you play it, definitely. A lot of the upsides are noted above, but there is an additional big advantage. The autofire is built into the ROM. This would be huge for anyone playing on a real PCB. If they can get the ROM chips burned for this version, they can be free of about a zillion presses of the fire button. I wonder if there's like a counter out there. You know, a zillion a zillion presses saved. <laughs> it is likely I will never go back to any of the other arcade ROMs ever again. So far, my personal best is 154,080 points. And congratulations. I'm glad you took a chance on playing the... Uh, arcade version, which is the hardest version, and, and you made it w out with your sanity intact. So kudos to you, sir, and I'll definitely have to try out the uh, hacked version. For sure. Well, jumping into the scores, um, just real quickly, 
on the super easy mode on the M2 port. Uh, I took the top spot there with 24,483,380. And if I remember correctly, that might have been a no miss. Um, I'd have to go back and watch the replay. And then Lewis G posted the the score uh, 17,061,470 points. Now on the one player arcade Same 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 arcade uh, Orc Commander of course came in before the end of the month with uh, 1,574,530 Fomacho with 241,230 Louis G with 120,420 and Geriatric Danmaku with 110,030 points. Uh, Louis G was the only one who submitted a score for the Same 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 Easy Custom Mode, a score of 140,580 points. On the Genesis version on Easy, uh, Fomacho kind of blew us all away with 4,223,080 points. I slotted in second place with 3,519,350. Corkman was pretty close nipping at my heels there with 3,477,770. Schlarp was in at 2 million 350,880 points and Mighty Squirrel not far behind with 2,102,260 points. And then Corkman, you had the top spot on uh, normal on the Genesis version with 3,430,760 points and then Fomacho at 2 million uh, I don't think I grabbed the whole score. Two million and change, we'll say. <laughs> so, final thoughts. Um, uh, let's. I uh, this game is the kind of I love this game, and what it's the game. I'm I'm like the same. I'm pretty old, right? Um, and I've been playing retro games kind of my whole life. And, um, but you know what? I never really kind of got into SDGs um, for the longest time. And it wasn't until I kind of started getting back and playing, you know, NES, Genesis, and like Super Nintendo, that type of era games, uh, you know, getting, just playing a lot of things I'd ever played before. <laughs> Um, you know, I picked this up very cheaply um, at a at a at a flea market. Uh, you know, several many years ago, um, and after off of a recommendation from Classic Game Room, shout out to uh, Mark there from Classic Game Room. Um, uh, and this was like the first shoot 'em up that like I really liked. This is this is the one that kind of made me think. Oh, I should buy, I should get more of these. I really like. I'm sorry. I think I might like this genre. 
uh, games and I started you know buying them buying you know mainly Gen a lot of Genesis games Super Nintendo games some NES games playing them on emulation and uh, other ones in emulation and then and then I just kind of went from there you know I just explored okay what what are some great games on PlayStation 1 and uh, some other arcade games that I had missed uh, through the year so I've just been really kind of uh, exploring the whole the whole genre part you know just kind of because this game was so was so good for me and I think it's a great game the Genesis version is a great game for anyone who's looking to get into the old school game the old style shoot 'em ups because um, it, it's it's easier like it starts off in an easy mode um but it's still challenging to kind of get a clear on it so you'll do really well for the first four levels or so and then you'll die but then you'll keep wanting to come back and come back to it and come back to it and um yeah so um yeah i i really uh i really love it um and I think probably, you know, in the future, I was able to, I was happy to clear the, the normal mode. I had cleared the, the easy mode, you know, a while ago, but it was nice to come back to this month and, um, uh, really take on the, uh, the, the normal mode, uh, and get a clear on that. So that was a lot of fun. And then exploring a lot of, uh, you know, what the, what the M2 port had, uh, you know, uh, available to it. And probably in the future, I'll be exploring more about that, uh, you know, that M2 port. I think I, you know, super easy mode was really fun. Um, and you know, the art, I got appreciation of how hard the arcade uh, mode is. And, um, the, and then I think what I, I think what I like about that M2 port is someone else mentioned it um is the custom mode you can kind of you know probably go back and set that to easy maybe give maybe get a couple give me give myself a couple more uh upgrades to uh to kind of ease into and then like kind of dial back on those bonuses and and uh uh those i don't know those helpers and uh you know keep keep playing until i can maybe get good at the just the the, the straight-up arcade version um, so yeah I love this game um, and uh, yeah very nice yeah I've mentioned many times that I've kind of long been into the genre of shooting games but it was lightning force on the Genesis that really cemented by my love of the genre but it was games like this in the late 90s and early 2000s as I was exploring the shmups forum and just buying up games left and right but by that time since I was a young adult and I had some more discretionary income and this is one of the Genesis games I bought early on that kind of helped 
continue to cement that uh, a love and, and enjoyment of the genre. Uh, and it's one of those evergreen games that I can come back to all the time. And now that I've cleared the easy version and I've been able to get pretty far on normal, I could see myself sticking with this to clear normal, and then I could see myself going back to the M2 port to, number one, see if I can maximize a good score on super easy mode, but then also possibly utilizing the challenge mode as a means of trying to learn the arcade version in a bit more bite-sized chunks to see if it can help me to just improve my my capabilities and between the game's cool setting, awesome soundtrack and you know, solid as a rock gameplay I can still see myself enjoying this game in some form for years to come. Yeah, I think both those are well said. I echo those statements, but I think I might come from a, maybe a little bit of a different background. This I'm familiar with Flying Shark, and I played the NES port, and Same 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 really wasn't on my radar anywhere near as much as Raiden was. I was a lot more familiar with the Raiden series and came via that way. So it's sort of neat to go back and see some of the beginnings and see where a lot of the inspiration came from. I think that this game stands may not be the technical fine-tooth combed you know, finely balanced masterpiece that Flying Shark is. But it is right on par with it when it comes to graphic sounds and gameplay. I think that, you know, it, it, it's a very close second there. And to anyone who's at all interested in shmup history to get it, idea of how did we get from point A to point B has to see Flying Shark and Fire Shark as a good stepping stone to see how the genre evolved. I I still think that there's more people out there who are familiar with the ride in series than are with Flying Shark and Fire Shark, but for those of you who are willing to tread down the path of the sniper tank, you're going to have a great time. All right. Well, what do we have coming up next? A lot of podcast editing. <laughs> no, uh, coming up for 2023, we have our focus game of the year, which is going to be Gunvane. And for those of you who like to uh, dodge bullets really quickly and press buttons really fast, that is the game for you. 
We also have a game that is not for everybody, but still you can turn your brain off and enjoy, which is Super Amazing Wagon Adventure, or as my copy calls it, Super Amazing Wagon Adventure Turbo. (laughs) And then we've got all sorts of goodies coming up, and this year is the year that we first started, or 2023 is the year that we start our first Toho game. So that will be interesting to try out, and maybe this year we finally start our first cotton game, too. We'll have to see. Yeah. Ooh, I'm up for so, both of those. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, January, we are going to be taking on a title classic. Back in black. It is... <laughs> now that it is available on um, Arcade Archives, we're going to be playing some Metal Black. Nice. And for those of you who want to play the Saturn port, don't feel too bad. <laughs> exactly. Is that a not good? Is that a not not a good port to play? Uh, no, it's a good port, but the Arcade Archives port will be better. Okay. I, the Saturn the Saturn version has some things on it. But again, it's sort of like dealing with a, a, a. I guess it's sort of like playing Greg on the Saturn versus playing Greg on the M2 port. There's just going to be some like quality of life and better features on the arcade archive stuff. It's not enough that you would have a huge difference, but it's going to be noticeable. Plus, the Saturn version is going to be a lot more money. Right. Yeah, yeah you're talking eight bucks for the arcade archives release and. $80 plus for the Saturn version. <laughs> oh, uh, before I forget, it's also on the Taito PS2 volume. Taito volume 2 on the PS2. Oh, right. Yeah, Taito Legends 2. But I think there's something weird with that version, right? Doesn't it run too fast, or am I thinking of something else? Um, I'm not sure. Maybe it's a different game on that one. Could be. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, three different ways to play it. I think a lot of people will probably pick the PS2 version of the arcade archives. Probably. Yeah, I'll probably do the arcade arcade archives then. Uh, you know, this this is a good this is a good example of a game that I have a I have a big blind spot for. Um, you know, uh, I have no idea about this game, so uh, I'll be excited to play it. Oh, the soundtrack is great. Yeah. Well, just a. Uh, uh, yeah, the soundtrack is great, but I guess just a little preview. The uh, Beam Duel feature that we saw in G. Darius mm-hmm. has its origins in Middle Black. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. And I can't even remember what February is. Uh, well, we'll get there. Uh, if, isn't isn't February our first Kasogi game? Rock on. No. Oh. <laughs> no. Dearly beloved in another damn space time. Hey, I'm, I'm with addicted on this. Maybe we should have one of those one month. A Kasoge month? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to it, but <laughs> I don't know that I would want to spend a whole month playing one really awful game. No, I understand. How about a how about a Kusoge potpourri? Like, I like that idea. Three or four, maybe. Games. Yeah, maybe take a handful and cross them off the list. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, shoot, I forgot. I forgot. I was going to mention how are they build the en the enemy build its fleet so fast. I was going to say, well, that's what happens when you use text mixing to power your factories. But I <laughs> 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 uh, had to sneak that in there. I was waiting for that reference. Uh, uh. <laughs> uh. Uh. All right. Well. We definitely want to shout out some people here. Um, hey, uh, studio. Before you before you start that, can I just shout out to you guys and uh, your podcast? I've been listening for about two years now, and guy, it's been a lot of fun just listening and playing the games with you guys, and um, just discovering all these you know these games, and you know keeping us all on the you know on the on the cutting edge of what's coming out there um and uh, i really appreciate it so thank you for having me on too oh well, thank you well yeah i mean yeah we really can't do it without without people who are interested in playing these games we say that i don't think i can emphasize that enough and we say that almost every d time but really without people being interested in having the passion for this uh, there are times where you, you know, I'm sure both of us thought, can we keep doing this? Have we done five years enough? But the ability for people that we're not shouting out into the void and people who enjoy this really gives us the energy to keep doing this month after month and to, you know, to put up, well, I shouldn't say put up, but to, to have the drive and the energy to keep doing this especially when you're being shot with some sniper tanks at all angles and all hope seems lost <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah well thank you for your kind words and yeah I mean we we do appreciate that because occasionally it feels like we are just shouting into the void but it's good to know that that people are listening and that uh you know, there are those who appreciate what we're doing. Yes, keep keep at it. Yep, and one day we will play Rock On. <laughs> <laughs> the it's the Pinocchio Kusoge. Someday I'll be a real shmup. Oh, geez, that thing can never be a real shmup. <laughs> <laughs> have, has anyone uh, I mean have both of you played that <laughs> oh it's so bad no but I've got to now <laughs> well, the, oh you absolutely do let's see if I can pull it up so I still got the <laughs> intro for this game because it's all in English let's see here <laughs> dearly beloved other time other space people live a damn boring routine life although the world is so peaceful of course some of them think they gotta go out of the life dreaming about getting a big fortune <clears throat> to realize that dream there's only one way left in the world needless to say it's how some to find out the mysterious fortune hidden by the ancient people busters <laughs> it's the name of the people we call fortune hunters <clears throat> now they're just about to start a historic journey that no one could come back alive from that is the get the visa called legend by people but except the one person, no one in the world can make it in real life who's got to be a billionaire and radical psychic 
physically and physically and mentally. Now the whole world is watching you and looking for your success. Now let's go for it. <laughs> so that's pretty much the intro for this crazy game. And even though it's not translated, at least I don't think there's an English translation. There's this girl who was interviewing, asking the pilot, like, hey, what you doing? And he just starts hitting on her. It's just... <laughs> it is such a weird game. It's the only game I know where you can, you can power up your ship speed so much that it's practically unplayable. <laughs> I gotta try this. <laughs> yeah. It, it's... It's it's so bad. <clears throat> Alright, well, let's go ahead and shout out some folks here. Um, Ed from Studio Mud Prince, thank you for the logo. Also thank you to Kogasu for the intro and outro music. Um, shout outs to our friends on the uh, Press Play cast and the Collector cast. And as I said before, don't forget to uh, follow me on Twitch and Check out the streams throughout the month. Also, I wanted to quickly shout out a couple of folks. Um, first, uh, one of the streamers that I know Corkman and I follow, Mommy from Hyrule. She's been working on a bunch of games on the Mega Drive Mini 2. And in particular, she's been focusing on Thunder Force 4 lately. And she's been struggling with it, but... Of course, it's a difficult game. And I think she's close to, to cracking it. She's not really doing one-credit clears or anything. She's just kind of using the allotment of credits to try and get through the game. But uh, the the second half of the game is, is definitely uh, taking more time to kind of work through. So, good luck with that. I think she's close, but... Uh, it's still a good challenge, and uh, I'm sure she'll yeah. do it. She always sticks with them. It's amazing. She always sticks with them to the very end. So, yeah, uh, she'll she'll get it. And then also, randomly, uh, I wanted to shout out Pony Trigon's cat Xena, because Pony Trigon posted in the Discord that it would be funny to hear the cat mentioned on the podcast. So there you go. Any other shout-outs? Nope. Hey, uh, I'd like to shout-out uh, to Ooh, Metafro for streaming on there. I, his uh, streams have become increasingly uh, interesting this month as we're dealing with not only uh, hashtag parrot dog here, we've been dealing with hashtag really random game. So... <laughs> Always been interesting to watch what happens there on day million two million six hundred eighty five when uh, buffaloes attack. Yeah, yeah, it's been a, it's been a fun stream just because how random that game is. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a hoot. All right, well, if there's nothing else, we'll go ahead and close up shop and say thank you all for listening, and we will catch you in. 2023.